lesson. Our hopes and dreams travel with you. He'll be an outcast. I'll kill him. How? He'll be a god to them. dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to something greater? My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Your son is safe. I will find him! My father believed if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it's an S. How about... Excuse me. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the IPC Podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. We hope you're having a super weekend and a super awesome time in these not-so-super 
times of the world. Um, so yeah, the world is falling apart right now, let's just face it, but uh, we're here to forget all about that for a couple hours and talk about something that we love, or maybe we don't love, who knows, we're going to figure that out tonight and see who loves it, who doesn't, and uh, as you guys know, we've been this year kind of tackling a big franchise, we'd like to do that every so often, and one of those franchises is the Superman franchise, or just kind of the the whole Superman story as played out in several films with several actors, and we've been through the Christopher Reeve original films, we talked about where Superman Returns, and then tonight, we're going to be tackling one that is either famous or infamous, to depending on who you talk to, Man of Steel, and uh, it's going to be interesting, I have some thoughts, I have some other people right here with me that have some thoughts, and uh, may as well go ahead and introduce them, joining me, as he always does, it is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going good, man. Aside from the thunderstorm that seems to be creeping up on me, uh, my lights flickered a few minutes ago, and it felt like an episode of Stranger Things. But, <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's it's been going pretty well, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back. Um, kind of mixed feelings on the topic of the evening, Understood. to be completely honest. But overall, I'm... I'm just I'm glad to be back in the studs with my dudes to quote Leslie Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And also the person you hear laughing in the background. It is our good friend, Mr. Jake Damon. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm not gonna lie. It's like a sauna in my apartment right now. I've got the AC cranked and I am trying not to sweat bullets, but uh, I had a good slash interesting slash let's just leave it at that time watching Man of Steel and uh, I'm feeling creative tonight so while we podcast I will be drawing Superman and I may post a picture of it on the Ooh. IPC group if you're all gonna watch uh, watch that feed yeah we're, he's just gonna rub it in our face how multi-talented he is compared to us um, oh please no no please nothing Guys, seriously, if you if you checked out uh, your, his Instagram or just I don't know looked at any of our cover art, like that's got Jake Damon written all over it, quite literally. And uh, you do amazing work, um, so I cannot wait to see that. Um, but I can't wait to actually talk about this movie. And and you know, as I said, this movie is either a masterpiece or a travesty, depending on who you talk to. And I think, I mean, let's face it, you could you could say that just about any movie nowadays. I feel like people are, mm. there's no, like, in-between opinions anymore. People have to take up, this is amazing, or this is terrible opinion. And, I don't know, I think this movie probably belongs somewhere in the middle. I think it's one of the stronger Superman movies, but it's definitely... Not the strongest by a long shot, and it's definitely got some issues, interesting things, and uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where we want to start here, but this one is one, I mean, it came out in 2013, which, I mean, I remember when this came out, it's been a long time, 2013 was a long time ago, guys, I don't know if you know that. It was seven oh. years ago. Wow, wow, that's scary. I feel old. Just uh, just for frame of reference, some of the other movies that came out 
in uh, 2013 included the likes of the original Disney's Frozen, um, The Conjuring, The Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. Thor The Dark World, and Iron Man 3, Ender's oh. Game, After Earth, Insidious Chapter 2, The Great Gatsby, uh, and then we've also got the likes of The Lone Ranger, Disney's Planes, Monsters University, <laughs> and Hugh Jackman in The Wolverine. Not Logan, The Wolverine. Wow. The be- better than uh, X-Men Origins, but definitely not as good as Logan. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion, that's a big gulf of uh, you know opinion in there. <laughs> There's so much in there. Pacific Rim also came out in 2013, as did wow. GI Joe. Um, there were there were a lot of movies in 2013, and correct me if I'm wrong, but no, it was Army Hammer that was the Lone Ranger. Was it? Mm-hmm. Was it Henry Cavill like in consideration for a Lone Ranger type of job at some point? I wouldn't would, doubt it. It wouldn't make sense. Like he he strikes me as that type, but yeah. yeah, that's just that's just a taste of some of the stuff that we got in there. 2013, okay, this is this is a personal favorite of mine. 2013 was also the year we got the low budget horror flick, Big Ass Spider. <laughs> the classic, right. the classic it's, horror it's, film. It, it's a film, it, not it, not a flick, a film. It is Big it, Ass Spider. It is it is a big time. Flick. I, I feel like that's a spoiler. Like you go in, I bet there's gonna be a big ass spider in this movie. Um, <laughs> what you want to bet? Five bucks, dude. Look at some of the stuff that 2013 had to offer. Jack the Giant Slayer, Keanu Reeves in 47 Ronin, uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, Gravity, <laughs> Captain Phillips, The Fifth Estate with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah. Uh, Mandela, 19 Years a Slave. Uh, there was a movie called Ragnarok, and now we've got Thor Ragnarok. Wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at this. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Kick, I like that movie. Kick-Ass 2, We're the Millers, Identity Thief, Hangover Part 3, Anchorman 2. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that came out in 2013. Good gracious yeah, i don't this... think i don't think i realized saving mr banks the desolation of smaug the hobbit came out in 2013 that was i'm not gonna say it was like a you know drop dead amazing year in movies but like that's a lot of movies there's a yeah. lot of very very talked about movies to this day seven years later very talked about movies that came out in 2013 star trek into darkness the hunger games catching fire um after Earth with Will Smith, Elysium, uh, G.I. Joe. Like, the list just keeps going on and on. World War Z, Homefront. Um, like, oh my gosh, Lone Survivor, Her. Do you guys remember Her with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, yeah. Scar Joe? Scar Joe, yeah. Olympus has fallen, Fast and Furious 6. Like, I just, I'm just looking. All I did was a quick Google search for top movies of 2013, and all of this comes up. So, for context, based on what I just read, 
I now find it hard to even put Man of Steel in the top ten movies of 2013. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's that is, pretty interesting. That is a loaded class for movies. Steven Schinder in the chat. 2013 was kind of an off year for blockbuster movies. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree to that. <laughs> oh my gosh, some of the stuff. 2013 was the year we got the Purge franchise kicked off, and wow. now there's. Like, there's like what four purge movies or something like that based on the popularity of that movie. I'm looking at top grossing movies list for 2013. Man of Steel came in fifth. I don't know if this is a national or worldwide list. I what think this is worldwide. It's in front of it. I'm assuming Iron Man 3 was in front of it. Okay. Iron I'm Man gonna... 3. Iron Man 3 is number 1. You're correct. I'm going to say um Great Gatsby came in ahead of it. Um, actually, no. Great Gatsby is down at number 17. Really? Okay, Frozen. Yeah. Frozen is it. Frozen is number four. Frozen's yep. got to be up there. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, was that in the top five? Wolf of Wall Street, no, it was not. It's down at, I can't even find it. <laughs> oh, That's wow. surprising to me. That's really surprising. Considering, I... like, the cultural impact and, like, you still see the memes and from memes. Wall Street. Yeah, it's like I'm doing this based just off of the memes. Um, Shoot, what else could it have been? Wolf uh, of Wall Street came in 55th. Wow. Wow. This um, is insane. Was Pacific Rim in the top five? I'm thinking it wasn't. Um, I don't believe so. Disney. It... Disney's going to have a top five, so it's either going to be Planes or Monsters University. Pacific Rim was at 30, um, and on top of Frozen at number three is Despicable Me 2. Oh, I didn't even see that among the listed stuff here. Mm -hmm. And then uh, number two, Hunger Games Catching Fire. Yeah, Catching Fire. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. That makes so, sense because the first Hunger Games was so popular, so people wanted to see what happened next. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. you said Man of Steel came in at five. Right. I mean, I guess that's appropriate. I guess. I I would have picked it a little bit further down than that. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, Jake, do you do you feel like the, the placement for that is, is appropriate? For Man of Steel? Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, like it's it's higher up than I I think it deserves maybe, but it, it <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh yeah, that's fair. That is fair. And and uh, taking a look at the the box office mojo, I mean, I was going to look at this towards the end of the, of the discussion, but we can look at it now. It had a budget of 225 million dollars. And wow. it was in the theater for 201 days. Are you kidding me? Uh, 28 weeks in over 4,000 theaters. That is a really long run. It was a it was a super long run. Its opening weekend gave it 116.6 million dollars, and wow. its worldwide totals came mm -hmm. in at 668 million. Wow. So it made some money back. I mean, not, not it, I mean at, at least 100 to 150%. Uh, 225 times 3. That's 500,000. Yeah, okay. So probably at least 100 to 140%, I would say, somewhere yeah. 
in that range. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a good rule of thumb too with movies is that if you know whatever their budget is for making the movie, they usually spend somewhere near that in marketing. So if you count that in for their returns, that isn't that much. I mean, why would you spend over two hundred million dollars in marketing, dude? It's just, I mean, it's good for marketing firms, but it's not good. It's it it just doesn't seem like good business sense. Like, here here's yeah. here's, here's the funny thing: certain franchises do need a heavy marketing budget, and other franchises, like I really would have been interested in seeing, like Star Wars, just having the Star Wars logo set in the stars and the release date underneath it, December 17th or whatever. Yeah. And then just see what happens when people are like, oh, there's a new Star Wars movie on this day. We don't know the name. We don't know who's in it. We don't know the plot. We don't know anything, but I'm going to go see it anyway and see what happens. Yeah. That would be interesting, but I also, I, 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 my opinion, I see, I used to say stuff like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, you could, you don't have to, market a Star Wars movie at all until Solo. (laughs) Until Solo came along, I'm like, okay, maybe you do have to market them just a little bit incorrectly, and that movie is, uh, it's proof that Star Wars movie can fail, and it can can not make money, and because of lousy marketing and such. So, uh, I still agree, like, I mean, and Solo was a special case being that it was a spin-off film, and maybe you could have done that with Episode Nine because people were already invested in the whole thing. They want to see the end of the Skywalker saga. You tell them, hey, it's Episode Nine. Here's the title. That's it. Um, yeah. You could maybe do that, but still, they're not going to take that, Good you know. They're, they're not going to take that chance. They're just not. They're going to spend, you know, what half the budget is in marketing nowadays. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. This movie was number one in the box office, for eight weeks, and That's then and then it dipped to number three for about a month, but it remained in the top five until Fourth of July weekend, and it wow. came out and and it came out in June. No, wait, hold on. Am I looking at individual days? I'm not looking at weeks. I'm looking at days. So it was only, oh God, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It was only number one in the box office for a week. Really? That's crazy. June 13th to June 20th. And then June 21st hit a Friday the next week and it dipped to number three. What did it lose to? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What movie came out on June 21st? 2013 might have been the lone ranger 2013 had to be something just dethroned it that quickly movie what movie came out on june 21st 2013 uh i'm not wait this isn't 2013 (laughs) what movies came out june of 2013 answer my question well, it's not really helping me. Like, Movie Insider is not giving me the answers I'm looking for. There's June 7th. That's not looking for. 14th. Here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. 16th. Did I say the 21st? Mm-hmm. I think so. 
the weekend of the 21st was the release of both World War Z and Monsters University. Um, man, Monsters University came out that long ago. Yeah, and it's still not holding up today. <laughs> I just watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. I didn't like it that much. No, I didn't either. Like, to me, it's a bottom five Pixar movie right down there with Cars 2 and Brave and The Good Dinosaur. That's disappointing because, mm-hmm. like, I, I I haven't seen it, but I've seen, of course, Monsters, Inc., and I think that's, like, top Monsters Inc. is Pixar. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. It's great. Like, it's really wonderful. Um, so, but we're not talking about Pixar tonight. <laughs> Superman. It's just the way it is. I don't know why I'm surprised anymore that we end up talking about Monsters, Inc. We're supposed to be talking about the Man of Steel. Um, as I said, I have no idea where to start with this thing. You know, it's fascinating looking back on all the, you know, the box office numbers. Because that stuff, like, you know, box office numbers and reviews, and it's, it's like a really important, like, the opening weekend. And then it just fades mm-hmm. into the thing. And then whatever, you know, public opinion kind of develops out of that kind of guides it. And, yeah, there's mixed reviews about this one over the years. We're going to get mixed reviews tonight, brother. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, like I said, in this one, you know, I am not I am not a member of the church of Zack Snyder. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I think. You said Snyder because I would have been like, yeah, bow down and worship me. Bitch. <laughs> wow. OK, we're going there tonight. OK. <laughs> wow. Um. But, look, I appreciate Zack Snyder, his visual. I think he's an incredible visual storyteller. I think this movie, if you watch it with the sound off, like it looks amazing. Yeah. But at the same time... It's a much better movie with the sound off. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a fantastic movie if you're hearing impaired and you don't have closed captions on. Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. I hear you there. But, you know, it's it's just... I don't know. It's such a mixed bag for me personally. It, it's one that I think it tries too hard because, I mean, we, we talked about with Superman Returns. Like, that movie had a lot of good things going for it, but was boring. It just it just didn't move along enough. There wasn't enough action. There wasn't enough, you know, story. There was, there was just too much, just long, you know, establishing shots and stuff like that. Like, there was just so much. I mean, it was a beautiful film, but at the same time, it, it took its time. And it really didn't need to. It needed to, you know, it was it was trying to be a movie from the 1970s when really the world had moved on. This one is definitely a movie for the modern age. It's definitely fast paced. It's it's way better paced. And I do like I do genuinely I like the way it's edited. I like the way it's paced. I like the way they they structure the story in the way that it's not a traditional Superman origin. You know, it starts on Krypton. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening on Krypton but then it moves forward and you kind of jump forward. I, I like that because it's it differentiates itself from the original movies and it's a true reboot but it's not trying to tell the exact same story over again. So I like that part but there is there's a lot of action in this movie. There's a lot of destruction. Like I mean that's I think that's the big thing that, that people take away from like they freaking killed like billions of people in this movie. <laughs> like it's intense. Yeah, they've got very little regard for 
their uh, for their what do you what would you want to call them the background people? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. August eighth of twenty fifteen, guys. I just found the show notes from the original Man of Steel. Oh yeah, I should mention this is a revisited episode. This is our second <laughs> discussion on Man of Steel because we, August. for some reason, we decided to do Man of Steel way back in the day because it was around the time of um, like the likes of Suicide Squad and uh, uh, Batman and stuff like that. I think it was part of like the DCEU kind because of because Man of Steel was released as a standalone movie. It's just oh, this is just the next Superman movie, mm-hmm. and we didn't know at the time that it was supposed to be the start of a new cinematic universe. It was our yeah. 61st episode. Wow. wow. So a good while back, but also a good ways into our run. 284, <clears throat> excuse me, 284 minus 61. We discussed this movie 223 episodes ago. Damn. Damn. <laughs> We've covered a lot of stuff since We've then. We've been around the block, ladies and gentlemen. Once or twice, we've become the village bicycle of podcasts. <laughs> but mm. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, Jake, since me and Zach have talked about this movie at length already, I, I want to get mm-hmm. your take on this. So, you know, I assume you got a chance to watch this one and, you know, kind of revisit it. I don't know what your history was with this movie, but, like, you know, what is your overall impressions of Man of Steel? Yeah, so this is actually my second uh, experience with Superman, period. Like, remember uh, when we watched Superman Returns? I mentioned that was the first time I ever watched uh, any Superman movies. And uh, this was my uh, second, many years later. And I went to see it with a bunch of friends. I remember we saw it at the Cocoplex. Yes, that's what the Hershey Theater was called before it was That is amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And uh, so we went to see that. And I, you know, that was also my first introduction to, I mean, that was everybody's first introduction to the Snyderverse, the Snyder DCEU, as we know it today, whether you hate it or you love it. And um, I think you know, seven years ago. So I would have been 18. Uh, and I, I think I liked it when I saw it. I, I don't know if my, um, critical mind had quite been developed far enough to, to, uh, you know, put it against other, I mean, yeah, obviously you compared it to Batman, like the Nolan trilogy. And, and I mean, there wasn't a whole lot more to, compare it to besides that i think my biggest draw to going to see this movie at all was the fact that christopher nolan's name was attached to it i think he produced it right um or something like that uh and so i'm like okay you got christopher nolan involved he's got a seal of approval on this more or less it's got to be a good movie right and i watched it and i think i really liked it like i said and uh didn't think much about it after that um I, i liked the the new, you know, I was familiar with the story of Superman, obviously. Everybody is, you know, kid comes from Krypton, raised by uh, some farmers in Smallville. And, you know, he's the world's best superhero. He's, you know, the man of steel. He's a superman. And, uh, right, yeah. And he I really thought... He's a superman. Oh, boy. Don't don't bring up the bad lines yet, because there's so, so many to cover. Um, and there's a lot of good lines, too, I think. But uh, anyway, 
Um, I I really like it when a movie can make take you know its source material, and I, Marvel does this really well, where it takes things that you know from like the comics like Captain America and makes it realistic it makes it gives you a plausible explanation for why he's wearing that costume um, or why you know Tony Stark is making this suit of armor and there's always a realistic explanation and I really appreciate that about more modern day superhero movies they give an explanation it makes it more believable and the thing I liked about Man of Steel was they really, I think, did a good job fleshing out, you know, why he wears the suit, why, you know, the powers are, are I mean, why he has superpowers, why Zod had to come to Earth, why, you know, it explains the lore and grounds it in a way that I appreciate and helps me accept the fact that, yes, I can see this happening in real life. Um, but upon rewatch, you know, I watched it tonight, so it's very fresh in my mind. Um, there, that remained to me a highlight. And at the same time, there's so much in this movie that I'm like, wait, why? And, um, well, you know, why did they just kiss after literally millions of people are dead around it? You know, like things like that, that just stand out <laughs> to me as like, okay, that was a bad choice. Um, so but yeah. Overall, I agree with the mixed bag. What'd you say? Death doesn't turn you on? No, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure it does some people. Apparently, it does Lois and uh, Cal-El. but uh, not is a fetish that should not be ignored, Jacob. (laughs) Okay, okay. No kink shaming. I'm not kink shaming. Yeah. Sounds like you're kink shaming. Just a little (gasps) bit. Maybe a little. <laughs> I'm drinking water. Uh, I'm drinking happy juice, so <sighs> maybe very happy. I'm very happy. Yeah. The show. I was so proud of myself. I had my payday today from two different jobs, and I budgeted two hundred dollars to restock my alcohol shelf, which you can get a lot for two hundred dollars. And when I went to the checkout counter, my bill was one ninety-seven. Wow. Like, I budgeted it perfectly. I was so happy with myself. That's awesome. So I celebrated with a shot of Kraken Rum and two shots of Gentleman Jack. Noise. Yep. I guess. Yep. <laughs> I think I think Sage from the other show, Sequels and Shots, would be more impressed with what I've had because we, we had a, a very lengthy discussion about the Kraken during our Parts of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest discussion. But I digress just a little bit. I, I like the Kraken. I, I like the Kraken. I released the Kraken. Yes. yes. Uh, to go back to what you were talking about, about exploring the lore and like some explanations for for why things are the way they are, how things have happened. Um, we get a little bit of that in the first Superman movie, but not as much as I would have liked. In fact, some of the Marlon Brando stuff on Krypton was some of my favorite stuff to come out of the first Superman film. I, right. I really, really enjoyed seeing another world and what someone's vision of another world would look like. But obviously, being from the 70s, it didn't it didn't have a whole lot to it. There wasn't a whole lot of substance. It very much looked like just sets and stuff. Right. But this movie, this Krypton, it looks like an actual planet with uh, politics and, and struggles. And you can tell that the world seems like it's dying and 
you, you have other creatures like the one that Jarrell rides on during the course of the battle. You've got basically an entire other culture that you're examining during this sequence. And it's a lot longer than the original Superman, which I appreciated and respected because now we get a little bit of world building. We get a little bit of understanding um, surrounding the loss involved and the sacrifice being made of sending your son away. And the fact that he's like the first natural born son in centuries. Like these are all things that we're getting kind of either reminded of if we read the comics or things that we're learning about for the first time if we haven't and it's it's all just very educational and great for story development but the problem is we get world building development and then we get kal-el character development with him on the fishing barge with the uh exploding uh oiler uh oil derrick or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. it's a big oil rig yeah the big oil rig and, and all the stuff going up in flames. Like we're getting character development for him there. And then we get some with him in the diner just after that. Like it kind of drags on a little bit because this, this movie is almost two and a half hours long. There is a lot to this movie. And I would say at least the first third of it, maybe even the first half of it is more about, you know, the world that he comes from and the world that he now lives in more than it is about uh, any antagonist more than it is about uh, anybody that comes in contact with him like there's there's a lot to learn about Clark Kent slash Kal-El before we ever get to the actual Superman storyline and for that reason I feel like the movie probably should have been split in two but that's yeah the thing I completely agree perhaps even more so about the the whole opening sequence like it's visually incredible but at the same time it's it's a bit much like i mm-hmm. I, I feel like they almost like they hired russell crowe and we're like oh we can't just ha- hire him to stand around like we got to give him an action sequence so <laughs> we got to write yeah. all this stuff in and he's got to have a you know multiple fights i'm gonna dive off this long roof and, and into the water and all this kind of crazy stuff and it's like it's like what is it i get that you're trying to set up that you know you're trying to get more into krypton and krypton is usually glossed over in the superman story because it's not in really that important to kal-el's story but maybe there's a reason for that maybe there's a reason that you know you kind of establish that hey he's from this planet it's going to blow up, they oh. put him in a pod, and that's it. Well, I, mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's less about Kal-El's story and more about Kryptonian legacy and perhaps a little bit about Zod's story. Right. Yeah. I think I think it's fair to want to set up what happens at the end of the movie because, like, in the original Superman, you have the one scene, and it's, you know, it's not short. It's short compared to this, but it still it gives you enough to go, okay, it establishes General Zod, they're sent in the Phantom Zone, and then you get the scene, and then you realize that the plan's going to blow up, and then Kal-El's sent off. It it does enough, I think, in that movie to kind of set up, but then you have, you know, Zod doesn't come up till the second movie, whereas this is mm-hmm. kind of taking both those stories right. and doing right. them differently, but smashing them right. together into one movie. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly. So, the, so the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve was kind of an establishment of his character and learning about 
who he is and what he stands for and what he represents. And then the second movie was a defense of Earth against General Zod. And we basically get both of those storylines put into Man of Steel. Yeah. Right. And, and I get that you need to establish the plight of Krypton. Understand that, you know, they're, they, they've lost their planet. There's General Zod who is has good intentions but doing it all the wrong reasons. I like that exposition. I like that it deepens his character than he's just a he's just a big dick <laughs> that mm-hmm. comes in and just does his thing um and realizes he has superpowers but you you establish you know the end of what's at stake for superman you know what's at stake for his people and krypton but i do feel like it's it's it goes on really long time i think you could have done that with a lot less time and and getting to Kal-El's story a lot quicker and this oh, is sure. a Superman movie, like, and it's not, you know, I think you just, it, it went on a bit too long, and I think it was a bit too much, and there's a lot of this movie that feels like there's action sequences that just keep going and going and going, and you don't even know what's going on, it's just happening, and you just, I love action, I am a, I'm an action freak, I love big epic action sequences, I was bored in some of this. Mm-hmm. Like the the sequence in Smallville, like it just goes on and on and on, and they just the, just like the, the, the military against him and the and yeah, the other it just keeps going, and it's just like okay, how much this town can we blow up? Like exactly. that's basically what it is. There's no like the best action sequences I think are ones that you understand what's happening, a la the Avengers. You know, I think that's a quintessential like action set piece of this giant battle with all these superheroes. Yet you understand what's at stake, what's going on, what they're trying to do, and what they're doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. In Man of Steel, it's more about you know at the end battle. Yeah, you see what's going on, but it's just massive destruction, and then they don't shy away from showing like people freaking dying. Like, mm-hmm. like there's people running down the street and the missile hits them and blows them up. And like, wow, that's a, uh, yeah, no, no respect for the civilians here. Right. Can, I, I'm going to make a small counterpoint to the stuff that happens in Smallville, though. All right. I feel like the fight that happens in Smallville has a bigger impact than the small town fight we had in New Mexico in the first Thor movie, which came out a couple of years ago. Yes. This one. I feel like there there was a, a bigger sense of loss in Smallville because it's Clark's hometown. This is a mm-hmm. place that he's from. This is a place that he's grown up in. These are people that he knows, and now he has to try and defend them. And he's defending these people of Earth against the people from his own planet. So there's a little bit of a conflict of interest going on here as he's trying to figure out who he is and what he's truly standing for. Because not only is he making an appearance as a superhuman for what is considered the first public appearance, but he's also doing it in a fashion that he doesn't want the people of Smallville to die, but he also doesn't really want to kill his own people either. Yeah. And so there's there's a, there's a, a conflict of interest within, and there's also a conflict of interest regarding who the military is supposed to actually shoot. Because technically, Clark is an alien. And these aliens are wreaking havoc on Smallville. So at one point, they're like, just shoot any of them. Copy. Shooting any of them. And that would include him. So the people that he's trying to defend are also people that are shooting at him. Mm-hmm. Which, is just, which is pretty dramatic. And then at the very end of that sequence, 
you actually have the colonel saying this man is not our enemy like very plain as day putting it out there that from this point forward in the movie superman's going to be regarded as an ally and not as an enemy i feel like there is a bit of a turning point in that action sequence that distinguishes it from the stuff that happens in metropolis i don't care for the fight that happens in metropolis i agree with you needless civilian deaths way too much only get addressed a little bit in Batman v Superman, not nearly as much as it should. And I don't know if we're going to end up talking about that movie again. If we revisit this movie, we should probably revisit Batman v Superman at some point as well. Just get through the entire Man of Steel saga, if you will. But uh, I, I wasn't going to twist anybody's arm, but if you <laughs> insist... Well, the only one I've got is the extended edition, which we have reviewed on this program before. But I might be able to find the theatrical cut somewhere. But well, I... well, here for the record, I don't hate BVS. I really don't. Um, and I don't hate this movie. But I think it's got Zack Snyder's hand fingerprints all over it, and I do not care for his sensibility. Just you know, with subtlety and with action, and just with these almost obsession with just death and destruction. Like, and, it just, and like, I hate thinking about, oh, like, oh, yeah, that building just came down. Like, millions of people probably died. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. like, this is insane. And you, you don't need all these, like, in Smallville, it just keeps this domino effect of, oh, the drones keep crashing. And, oh, they pick up a train and they throw it into the town. And, and like, you have that great moment. I love that moment where he says, this man is not our enemy. Like, that's a great defining moment for the character. And it's also more, it's a subtlety that you don't get in the original movie. You know, there's no, uh-huh. like, th- there's no gray area with Superman. He comes on the scene, he saves Lois, he saves the, 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 the helicopter, and he's immediately the hero. Everybody loves him. There's no gray area in Christopher Reeve's Superman. He's always the Boy Scout that everybody loves, and he's there to save the day. But this one, you know, it plays into that. I mean I mean and rightfully so. Batman v Superman plays into that even further that you know you have an alien show up and the rest of his species were not friendly. You know, how can you trust this guy? And you know, I, I like that. I and big picture, I like the exposition that Man of Steel does. I like the macro scope of doing these different things and, you know, even going back to I know we're jumping around here, but like I like going back to his childhood. And like mm-hmm. he's in the schoolhouse and he's this little kid that's just seeing through people. And he's dealing with all this kind of stuff. I'm like, that would happen. Like, that that's a legit thing that would happen. Like, he doesn't understand this. Yes. And I loved that whole thing. So I love the the realism that they pumped into it. But it does, you know, it's it's a true mixed bag of movie Because there's things that I really, really like and all the things that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, the first time we reviewed this movie, I think I trashed some of his childhood type stuff. I was like, "Why is this garbage in here?" And <laughs> as a, as a policy, I don't go back and listen to previous episodes, especially ones that happened over two hundred episodes ago. Like, I'm just not going to. If you guys want to be brave enough to go back and listen to episode sixty one of this podcast, by all means, knock yourselves. Do out. not recommend. Wouldn't recommend it, but help yourselves if you want to. Um, but I, I believe there were a lot of sequences that I ended up trashing about this movie. We didn't even have planet scores back then, so I don't even know what I rated this movie. Like, I don't have it in the show notes as far as what I what kind of score I gave it. But I feel like it was probably around like a six or something like that. And 
part of it was was due to the needless death at the end, but I think I also trashed some of the stuff that happened um, over the course of his growing up, and this was one of them. I was like, this is just gross. Why would you do this? But like you said, Ben, some of it feels like his powers are not harnessed. He has no teacher. He has no mentor. He has no family that can tell him how to react to these things. And so it's just happening. And he's just using his x-ray vision completely accidentally. And he's seeing the skeletons of his of his teachers and stuff like that makes sense. And there's something about the Superman character that you don't really think about the fact that this isn't like him having powers isn't something that naturally comes to him. Right. It's because he's on Earth. It's because he has access to the Earth's yellow sun that he gets these powers and, and has these things. It's not something that's just normal for Kryptons. So you have that scene, which sets up what happens to to Zod later. Yeah. Zod, he mm-hmm. peels his mask off. He's like, oh, yes. you know, now you're, you're seeing this power. You're getting everything. You're I love that. Out. Yeah. I did. I did like that. It was it was a good setup for that, and it, I think it was a piece of storytelling that I missed the last time we reviewed this movie. And it's way different than the original Zod, Terrence Stamp. They're just on the moon. They're like, "Oh, this is cool. Jump! Oh, yeah. We jump. can jump around. Jump. We can kill. Jump. They just they just, they just your ass. They just murder a bunch of astronauts just for the fun of it while they're trying to test their powers. And uh, Zach, have you seen? I mean, Zach, Jake, Jacob, yeah. or should I call you? Uh, Jack, or I don't you know. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob. Um, yeah. have you seen Superman two? Uh, I I want to say no, but I also want to say yes. So I'm just gonna say I don't know. <laughs> See, we're we're the we're the monsters that threw you in at like Superman. What was it three <laughs> or four? Uh, so, four. Yep. Four. My God. Ah, oh, you poor soul. Yep. Um. So uh, yeah, it you know Superman you know Superman two they just come on the scene and you know there they have the powers and there's there's no like you know there's no repercussions for that I I I like that you know I like the realism I like that they take yeah. a different take on this and do interesting stuff with what they've got and, and try to you know, even even the the S the S yeah. means hope I know it's corny. But I, I do like it. I like that, you know, it's oh, like he no. just has an S on his thing for Superman. That doesn't make any sense. It makes sense that this is family crest and it means hope. Right. That's what that's the type of thing I appreciate and like. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. That whole scene where he's in the interrogation room there where he's like showing people kind of just how powerful he is not in a mean way but just like hey i can see the lifesavers in your pocket i can see this i can see that uh there's people gonna tranquilize me um it it just i like that scene so much i i don't know why but i think it's probably my favorite scene in the whole the whole movie it just kind of demonstrates his power without him punching stuff it shows that he's got control and i really enjoyed that um but the thing i mean you've heard people say this before and i completely agree like the thing with superman is yes he's colorful but his personality should really pop on on screen or Mm -hmm. or however you're consuming you know your superman content he is hope incarnate he is he is you know who you want to save you and um i would say that I would say that 
about 75% of this movie. I don't feel that way when I look at Clark Kent, when I look at uh, Kal-El. And that's kind of a detriment because that's who he is. That's who he's supposed to be. And I think that's just because of Zack Snyder's sensibilities. And not only is his color palette darker for, you know, all his color grading and all that, you just it really I don't know if that's the cause of it or what it could be the right I mean I wonder like if you put this thing through a color booster would it change how I feel about this incarnation of of Superman would that change how I felt about the DCU in general I don't know I don't know but that certainly doesn't help and I would say you know the first like 20 minutes 30 minutes of this Clark Kent barely says a single word and um, I don't know. There's some shining moments, though. I think that that scene in the interrogation room is one. I also think that scene at the end when he blows up that drone uh, and kind of establishes that he's here to stay. I like that question about do you you know, how do I know you're going to have America's best interests in mind? And he responds, with, hey, I grew up in Kansas, you know, um, right. that's about as American as you can get. I love that line. And that to me is Superman. Um, but besides that. I didn't get much of that here and that sucks, I think. Yeah, I, I and I do I do have a bit of an issue with like the characterization of Superman of Clark mm-hmm. Kent. Like I like that you know, I, I like his sensibility. I mean he does have a lot of great moments. I think the the interrogation scene I think is, is one of the better ones. Um his whole thing. He's he, I think Henry Cavill is really great in the role. But Superman is also kind of a jerk in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you had the scene, and, like, I, I know maybe it's petty, but, like, I'm thinking back to, like, the opening scenes where he's, like, you know, he's he's helping people, but he's also, like, he goes to that one house, and he, like, steals their clothes in <laughs> the back of the car. Like, is Superman really a thief? Like, does he have to resort to that? Or, you know, you have him, you know, he gets, like, you know, the, the scene in the bar, and he gets you know, dumped on by this dude and you think, oh, he's Superman. He's going to, he's going to, you know, he's going to take it and, and walk away. It's not a big deal. And then he destroys the guy's truck. Mm-hmm. And like, really like crazily. And like, I get, I get like, he's, he's trying to be that. He's not Superman yet, but still, right. but still it's a bit much. Can I also say that a big issue I have with this movie, I don't know if you guys agree, but, I didn't, it didn't really hit me till this watch because this is probably the third time I've watched this movie and I don't remember feeling this strongly about it. Pa Kent, what is his deal, man? Because that whole uh, part where Clark saves the bus, like the kids in the bus, Pa Kent is like, maybe you should have let him die. And I was like, wait, what? Ba- wait, what the heck? You know, and I there were several instances of that and it made Clark feel like he shouldn't save uh, his dad when, when he got swept up in the wind there. And I I would say, okay, I really think that stinks. I w- the reason I do l- like how that plays out is because in contrast, there's a scene in here where the consciousness of uh, Jor-El um, on the ship is talking with Clark and, and he, he literally gives him permission to go save the people. And I thought that was a cool dynamic there where it's like my adopted dad wouldn't let me save people. 
now my real dad is giving me permission to do that. And that's kind of where Superman is born in that moment, I think, where it's like, okay, I got the okay from my dad that I can save people. I do appreciate that. I do like that. But I'm not sure how anybody could encourage somebody not to save people, especially if they are in the position to or have the ability to. I don't agree with that necessarily, and I had kind of a problem with that. But And I, I, I think that The Incredibles, uh, the movie The Incredibles, uh, really handled that issue well, where you know you have a team of superheroes, you have kids who are superheroes, and, and they want to use their powers. And Dash wants to be on the football team. He wants to run, you know? And instead of saying, no, you shouldn't use your powers at all, like, I mean, they kind of do at the beginning, I guess, but later on, they 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 kind of deal with that like okay you can be on the running team just don't run too fast you know and i i think if <laughs> right. pa kent had taken that approach instead maybe that would have been more reasonable or realistic but uh yeah anyway i i i understand i i like the dynamic i like what they get into kind of the psycholo- psychology of ma and pa kent are are i feel i i feel weird calling Kevin Cosner, Paul Kent. Yeah, me too, me too. Because he's not, he, he's not name, that old of a guy. His, na- his name yeah. in the movie is Jonathan, if that helps. Jonathan, of course. Jonathan Kent. And, and Martha. How could I forget Martha? Martha, um, yeah. Slowly but... I turned, step <laughs> by step, in science, I crept up on the beast who had ruined my life. Anybody watch I Love Lucy? How many drinks have you had? <laughs> I was Fair waiting. question. I have been waiting for that name to drop for God knows how long so that I could do that bit. You guys didn't watch that episode of I Love Lucy? I, I There's something in my mind that's registering. I just can't. I, it's an, it's an episode called The Ballet. And Lucy so desperately wants to be in Ricky's show in the nightclub. And he's got two shows. One of them is burlesque acting bits and one of it is a ballet. She tries out for the ballet and it doesn't work out. So she auditions with a burlesque comic in order to try and be in the burlesque act. And the bit that the guy does is this routine called Slowly I Turned, where every time somebody mentions his ex-wife's name, which is Martha, he goes into this like almost robotic nature where he just keeps repeating the same stuff over and over again except every time he's creeping up on the beast that had ruined his life, he like beats him with a rock and he starts whipping Lucy with a whoopee cushion or he grabs like a spray bottle and like spritzes water all over her. And then at the very end, he gives her a pie in the face. And it's just classic fifties, black and white TV slapstick that is just epitomized by one of the greatest women in television and she was such a good sport about it and it just turned into a classic Lucy episode and I don't know I just I love Lucy and every time I hear anything relating to Martha from Batman v Superman or from this movie anytime I always end up thinking about the episode where Lucy and her burlesque partner get triggered by the word Martha and all hell breaks loose in that episode. (laughs) Wow. 
That was a tangent. I for completely forgotten about that. I think I might have seen that episode. It's been a long time since he didn't meet I Love Lucy. Oh my gosh. It Classic. is so, so good. I'm going to go to YouTube now and try and find it. <laughs> Welcome to the I Love Lucy rewatch podcast. Hey, I have wanted to do a sitcom rewatch podcast for years now, talking about stuff like Friends and Parks and Rec and The Office. I would totally throw I Love Lucy into the mix as well. I'm Dude, game. I, I'm, I'm there. Game. I'm game. Um, so back to my point, if I can remember it. Um, uh, so uh, I I like the psychology surrounding, especially Jonathan Kent's idea about, like, you have to be careful about showing your powers. You, 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 he knows, that even though he doesn't fully understand what happened. I, I love the line about... That oh we 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 kept expecting the government to show up and take you away from us they just never came I, I, I like that you know like of course they would think that of course that they would they would not know like what to do they just tried to love this kid and, and raise him as their own and they went through hell to do it but I like Jonathan's I, I like the general idea of what he's trying to say in the guards that when people find out who you are, this is going to change everything. Like you are the answer to, are we alone in the universe? Like you are the answer to so many things and you're going to change the entire world, but you have to be ready when that happens. But you have to be ready and the world has to be ready. That's one of the things. I think that's why he told Clark not to do anything during the tornado was even if Clark might have been borderline old enough, was the world ready to get the answer to that question? I think right. I think that's what Jonathan gave his life for. And I and I like I like that. I like that idea. And I like and that's a powerful moment when he when he literally gives his life and and holds up his hand and goes, "No, don't save me. This isn't the right time." What I don't like about that scene is the fact that why Jonathan Kent is out there in the first place. Going after the guy. He's going after dog. He's going after the dog. Like and he stops Clark from doing it. Clark could have just walked into the tornado and got the dog and come back, no problem. And he wouldn't have been hurt by the tornado. But he's yeah. like, no, no, Clark, get your mother up there. I'm going to go get the dog. Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Like, es- especially since nobody would have batted an eye. Like, if, if Clark went out and got it, like, people would just be like, oh, he, he just dodged the wind, you know? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to develop... I'm not trying to devalue dog lives here. I love dogs. I love animals. But, like, when you're doing a movie, you're doing a powerful moment where a character is giving their life to, you know, to salvage or to keep hold of something that's important to his son and basically protecting his own son. It's powerful, but, like, have him... I don't know. He could have rescued an entire family from a from a, a van or something. I don't know. Okay, something but, a bit more. But the dog can run on all fours and get out of the situation faster than rescuing a family could. This by by doing that, the dog is able to get out to safety, and it justifies why Jonathan would be left behind. If he's getting a little kid to safety, he's got to carry the kid out of the storm. Yeah. And if and if he doesn't make it, then Jonathan and the kid die. I get it, I get it, but I no no no. I'm not I'm not trying to justify the scene. I completely agree with Don't you. Don't you dare justify this. I'm I'm trying to find a way to look at it from another lens, not necessarily justifying it, because I'm with not, you. Not I don't I don't agree with it. At certain points you're like, It's a dog, we'll get another dog. At certain point you're like, It's a kid, we'll have another kid. 
like at some other point you're just like it's not worth it and i i don't know maybe maybe yeah. that second one was a little too harsh it's but just, it's just it's just one of those it's 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 just like the martha scene in bvs martha you 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 i understand the logic that they're going for yeah bruce wayne and and clark kent may bond over the fact that their mothers both have the same name. I get that fact. But it's just dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. Yeah. I understand it. I understand why they did it. It's still dumb. It's like your I, your mother your mother's name was Martha? My mother's name was Martha. What's your star sign? You're an Aries? Oh, I'm a Virgo. We're totally compatible. Like I, I was just waiting for something like that to happen next. <laughs> I uh, and that just goes back to what I I what was even more apparent this watch around because I'm I'm kind of interested in going through the DCU as a whole now just from the beginning to the end all the good the bad and the ugly Suicide Squad oh even Suicide Squad one of my least favorite watching experiences of all time I will go through that I just want to get a nice rounded picture of the DCU but with Man of Steel it really just shows me that. I it sucks that this is the version of the DC universe that we get on screen because it's such a, a muted, uh, darkened version of what could be, and I I really don't like that. I I wish we had a different version of the the DCEU, uh, but no, this is what we've got, and uh, it's it's weird. I gotta say it's weird, but if you know, I don't know. I don't even know where to go with that. You've heard it all before. Well, okay, so if we're going to talk about stuff that just seemed unnecessary that we weren't a fan of, uh, I'm going to go off on, on my little tangent of unnecessary inclusions. And By all means. You, you touched on it a little bit in the interrogation room, Jake, where he was like kind of doing a display of power, and he's like, oh, yeah, um, these handcuffs don't really mean squat, and I can see all of you, even though you've got this fancy mirror and I can even see through you and see the the half-eaten package of lifesavers in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Do you guys realize just how much goddamn product placement there is in this movie? <laughs> I don't mind the lifesavers line, but I really don't like all the stores that they show. Like, hey, look, it's IHOP. It's Sears. It's 7-Eleven. Oh, yes, that, that's that's some of it. I took a list. I took a list of all the different types of products that got placed in this movie, either in the script like the Lifesavers or having an entire IHOP set get freaking destroyed during the Battle of Smallville. Oh, my gosh. So much gratuitous IHOP. So much gratuitous 7-Eleven. The shot of Sears. There was a U-Haul. They tossed a train in one sequence, and it just happened to show the Union Pacific logo for like five or six gratuitous seconds. Oh, yeah. I rolled my eyes at the at the U-Haul when he threw that. I was like, really? That's so silly. There were, there were Chevys. A lot of the primary vehicles that people drove around in were Chevys. There, there wasn't a Ford to be seen in all of Smallville, Kansas. It was all Chevys. <laughs> and then... This is the one that I harped on during our last discussion. I know for a fact that back on episode 61, I had a problem with it. And seven years later, I still got a problem with it. <laughs> I cannot stand all of the excessive shots that they give of the Nikon camera that Lois Lane runs around with. 
<laughs> Nikon, guys, buy it. Every time Lois Lane uses it, so you should too. Buy Nikon today. Like, all that you were missing was somebody actually saying the word Nikon. There's a scene where she's following Clark into the Fortress of Solitude to find the scout ship in that, that frozen tundra area, and she's climbing up a cliffside, and she sets her camera down so that she can climb up the step. And the camera for the movie is positioned in such a way that when she sets her camera down, her DSLR and the Nikon logo are sitting in front of the movie camera for what feels like 10 seconds. You're not it's, even watching you know. anything. You're watching Lois's hand pull the rest of her body up while the camera focuses on the Nikon that's sitting in front of you. I don't need that. Yeah. For one thing, I am a strictly Canon 7D guy. For those of you that are into photography, I use the 7D and the 70D. I'll use a T5i on occasion if there's something else not available. But I prefer the Canon 7D. I don't need a Nikon's logo being flashed in my face when I'm watching a superhero movie. Get that out of here. But yeah, I'm a Canon guy, too. I know what you mean. I just it, It's not even necessarily just Canon versus Nikon. It's just the excessiveness of it all. Like she, she takes a picture inside the scout ship. And again, it does like this over the shoulder shot where you're looking over the shoulder of the security device that's within the ship, looking down at Lois as she's getting the, her DSLR ready for the shot. And it zooms in on her and it zooms in on the Nikon logo on her digital camera. And I'm just like, okay, we get it. Nikon sponsored <laughs> this scene. Thank you. It's ruined now. I could not stand the product placement. I got IHOP, Nikon, 7-Eleven, Lifesaver, Sears, U-Haul, Union Pacific, and Chevy. Those were the most obvious. Now, granted, it's still not as egregious as Back to the Future, but it's still, for 2013, having that much obvious product placement in it is pretty severe, and I was not a fan of any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it just I mean, you can have a little bit of it. You can get away with a little bit of it. But I mean, I think it's funny how realistically, apparently Tony Stark only drives Audi. And here, here's another little bit of trivia that Ryan Johnson recently revealed when he was talking about uh, his movie Knives Out. Um, apparently, iPhones, Apple in particular, does not allow bad guys to use iPhones in movies. Hmm. So, and he was talking about it in this scenario of like, if you don't know someone's a bad guy, if you see them using an Android, they're probably a bad guy. That's Except hilarious. in the CW universe where everybody uses an Android. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Just about. Just about everybody has an Android device, at least in the first few seasons that I watched. Going back to Knives Out, though, did you know that there is a Knives Out tie in to Man of Steel? Really? No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually pretty interesting. Walt Thromby, one of the main inheritance characters in Knives Out, is played by Michael Shannon, who also plays General Zod. Uh-huh. Mm. There you go. Yeah, there you go. For I didn't I didn't even think about the fact that Michael Shannon is is in both I these didn't. movies. Yep. That's a good good I, connection. 
I like um, Michael Shannon, by the way. He is, I think he's fun in this. He's, he's like he's, a good bad he's guy. Got, he's got a really good list of stuff that he's been a part of. He was in Knives Out. He was in uh, Man of Steel. He was also in The Shape of Water. He was Richard Strickland, the main antagonist in the Academy Award winning The Shape of Water. And mm. he was also... Um, Gary Nosner in the Waco miniseries from 2018. Yes, and you I don't know if you guys know this, it I saw him and I was like that that is Michael Shannon but way younger. I can't believe it. And it is he is in Groundhog Day. Bill I was going to say yeah. 1983 Great. his first I think it's his like first or second movie role ever. Yeah. He shows up at the end. He's like, or I can't remember. I know he shows he, up at the very end because he, he's like thanking Bill Murray for something, and he's yeah, with his well, girlfriend. Earlier in the movie, Bill Murray, I think it has something to do with like, like tickets to something. He gets gets them. Uh, it's when they're at that party or whatever. It's when he starts saying like being nicer to people, and like right. he plays the piano on stage and all that. It's in that party scene. He yeah, he, he talks he to might. Bill Murray. Michael Shannon is so young in that. So he's young. So young. Yeah. And he's like I love people. Yeah, yeah. He's like super young. He's like, oh my God, that's Michael Shannon. Oh my gosh. Um, real quick, there's some other cameos that I have to address really quick. In this so so some of you may have picked on this, some of the not. I was watching the opening scenes going, Where have I seen Laura L before? Where have I seen Superman's mother before. Does anyone mm. want to take a wild guess of where you've seen that actress before? I thought she looked familiar too, but I have no idea what from. She was in a Marvel movie, wasn't she? Well, her name is Ayelet Zurer, I believe. And uh, she played in a Marvel, not movie, a television show. Any more oh. guesses? Wait. Netflix. Wait, wait, wait. in... In uh, Daredevil? You're all right on the money. Which character? I can't remember. Oh, no, 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 no. I, was it Daredevil's mom? No, it no. was Vanessa Fisk. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. duh. Yeah, that is Vanessa. That's totally Vanessa. No yeah. way. Uh, no. Vanessa. Once you wow. make the connection, it's like, whoa, okay, that's interesting. That's what I know her from. Holy crap. Wow, her role as Vanessa is just is leaps and bounds beyond being Laura in Man of Steel, though. You're oh, not wrong. Oh, here she—I don't think she was very good in this, to be honest. But uh, I mean, she yeah. was she was average. Like, I, uh, I don't know. There were some there were some line readings that I was like, really you didn't want to do a second take on that. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can been, see that. I think it's been more of a Russell Crowe thing than it was an Ayelet Zur thing. I don't know. I I didn't have a problem with uh, Russell Crowe in this. There, there were a few lines from people that I I did not. It didn't. They didn't come across that great to me. But <laughs> okay, so just, there's a there's another slight kind of cameo. It's not an actor in something else is the fact that there's an actor playing a character that actually is supposed to be something much more. 
So you have Henry Lennox playing General Swanwick in this movie. Does anybody know who he's actually supposed to be in this movie? As they, even though they only released it recently. General Swanwick. So the main general guy that's always there at the briefing meetings. Got uh-huh. the deep voice. He's always there. Who is he supposed to be? Is he the yes. black guy? He's the black guy. I'm going to say John Stewart. He's supposed correct. to be Green Lantern. No. Really? No, you're oh actually, my... no. No, actually, you're incorrect. I get my DC characters oh. mixed up. But it is another DC character. You're in the neighborhood. Is he supposed to turn into Cyborg or something? No. I don't know. It, the original intention for the character they were going to reveal later on in the DC Universe, and they may still, who knows. I think Zack Snyder recently revealed this, that he was supposed to be, and he is in this movie, Martian Manhunter. Oh, wow. That's interesting. This character, okay, okay. This character is meant to be Martian Manhunter. That's what the intention was in this movie. Interesting. Even though that, they didn't reveal it. That was never... I... Mm, I never got that. I never got that vibe. I don't well, think anybody else did. I think they played their cards right because, you know, if, if they weren't going to go that direction, it, you know, they didn't lay any, like, seeds for it or anything like that where it was like, you know, you catch a glimpse of, like, a mirror and you're like, whoa, was that a Martian? Yeah, oh, and, and because they had him on the other side of the mirror and his reflection was that of an alien instead of instead of him. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, apparently he's revealed, like, concept art or, like, sketches of this and stuff like that. He was supposed to show up in Justice League, I think. It wow. just didn't happen for whatever reason. Interesting. Well, while we're on the topic of casting, there's one other cast member in here that uh, was in another favorite movie of mine, Richard Schiff. I love Richard Schiff. Mm-hmm. Toby. Richard Schiff, who plays Dr. Emil Hamilton in this movie. Yes, he's, he's Toby in the West Wing, for those of you who are West Wing fans. But he was also Mark in the movie Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. And a couple of years after that, he was Eddie Carr in the Lost World Jurassic Park. That's Eddie yep. Carr? That, what? Yep. Yes. Whoa! Okay, you're just blowing my mind right now. That's amazing. The poor guy that got bitten in half by two T-Rexes. Yeah. And he's helping out Superman here. Holy crap. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I saw his face and I heard his voice and I knew I knew it somewhere, but it was the crazy hair that threw me off because he didn't have much hair to speak of back in 97. But, but the way he acts in this, though, is... I mean, he acts this way in every movie. Like, he... Toby, like how Toby is, that is just him in every in every movie. He's a good actor, but he's always so like grumpy. <laughs> he he he's got kind of a bit role to him. He's he's a little on the sarcastic side. He's a little bit on the asshole side, but he's also super smart because when the when the when the Kryptonian device started making its way to Earth, he was the first one to realize that the planet was being terraformed. Yeah. So yeah. uh, it was it, it was still interesting to see what kind of a role that he that he played and how he helped it all play out. Like he didn't do anything physical to save the day, but he still used his smarts to kind of stay on top of things, which I respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which also really quick. What did you guys make of the idea to turn Earth into Krypton 2.0? It, the, it would the terrible. Yeah method and doing it to a planet 
that is so heavily populated. This is the complaint that I had this time around about the, the terraforming idea. Before, I was on board with it. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. But if that device is capable of terraforming one of the other colonies, why didn't they terraform one of the other colonies that had been abandoned instead of trying to terraform Earth, which has billions of people on it? Right, that's yeah. one of the things and, and that I was like, There's what? billions of other planets out there seemingly that they could use, but uh, I guess they... They decided to, hey, we're just going to wipe out, a, 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 you know, billions of people for just because we can. It's like as long as we're here. But here's the other thing that I, I'm trying to justify it with. The Kryptonians see the people of Earth as an inferior race. So what if, like, we decide that we're going to go and terraform Mars and we find out that there's, like, an inferior species of primates that are living there? Like, maybe they're able to communicate using, you know, some sort of grunts or guttural language, or they've got a, a very, you know, a very backwater type of of way of living, but they have a society. But we've been so hell-bent on terraforming Mars for so long that we're just going to go ahead and do it anyway, even if it's at the expense of this inferior race. It's, it seems kind of like what the Kryptonians felt like they might have been doing in this instance mm -hmm. yeah i think they just i don't know they just they just don't care they're big jerks well is, isn't, there, isn't there a line by zod where he's like it's it's the morality that separates us you have some and we don't or something like that probably so, something that yeah. sounds like a general zod line it, it's it sounds like the, the the difference between you and i is the is the morality you have it because of these weak people from earth and and we don't and then he goes into the spiel about how this is the place to terraform. And I'm like, you ass. <laughs> don't, don't mess with my home like that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to bring up something. Everything things real quick on this podcast. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> I, that, that's how I start every sentence. Real quick, and then that's two hours I, later, I, he's I still talking. Fine, honestly, yeah. <laughs> so I don't mean to jut off gears here, but I, ha I have something to brag about here. The mm. fact that... I've been to a filming location of this movie, oh, like really? several times. Um, so, for a while, for many, for several years, I my my family used Amtrak to kind of go to and from. We go through the Midwest. I, I have family in South Dakota, so we go visit them and use Amtrak. And there's kind of one main line that goes up through the middle of the country from where I live to up to Chicago. And then you can catch like different trains. And Chicago is kind of this travel hub in the United States. And, and if you get on an Amtrak train in New Orleans and, you know, you can get on it like 2 PM, you know, in the afternoon. And by the next morning you're in downtown Chicago and you arrive in Chicago Union Station. And if you, of course, you leave that, you walk up to kind of the main concourse, and there's this main building. And uh, I've done this several times. You go into kind of the main waiting area, the main kind of rotunda area that's near the street. And, uh, oh, look over there. That's where Superman killed General Zod. Mm -hmm. Oh, of all things. So wow. that's exactly where I, I've been in that building more than once going like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. <laughs> There it that's is. Awesome. That's where the thing, because I, you know, it's just unmistakable. Like it's not. There's a lot of like Union stations in you know cities, and I don't think Chicago is just like super, you know, uh, unique 
but like you can definitely tell like it's right if you watch that scene and you go to Union Station and it's like you know I recommend anybody if you're ever in Chicago just go in Union Station like you walk down the stairs and you'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about like it's right there and yeah. it's, it's always it's always cool but yeah it's uh, it, they, I, they they kept it intact they fixed it up real nice because they really wrecked the place when Superman sh- showed up <laughs> I had a very similar experience when I went to a U2 concert in Pittsburgh and uh, we were at the Steelers Stadium and I'm like, why does this look so familiar? And then I'm like, oh, the Dark Knight Rises, the whole Bane oh scene yeah. in the football stadium. Yeah, yeah, that is great. I, I love, I you know, I, I just love anything that like gets me in the vicinity of like, you know, a filming location or whatever, like even if it's just trivial. I know they've they've shot a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of movies are shot like in in North Georgia mm. and stuff like that. Like Stranger Things, even though it's supposed to be in Indiana, it's shot in like around Atlanta. And of course, all the Marvel movies are shot up there. And like, there's a Dairy Queen, like where where uh, where uh, what's his name? Ego takes Peter Quill's mom, like behind a Dairy Queen. Yeah. Like that Dairy yeah. Queen is still there. And I'm like, I gotta go there. Like, I want to go to that Dairy Queen and just see it. I just want to be there. Like, it was in the movie for two seconds, but I want to go there. Yep. But, yeah, that's my tangent on on, uh, bragging about going where uh, Superman killed somebody and screamed about it. (laughs) I see you're all very impressed. No, I I I am. I'm very impressed. No, no, I see how it is. I see how it is. (laughs) I'm I'm going to scream like Superman. I'm just also reading the trivia from the IMDb profile for this movie. Ooh, trivia. And some of it's actually pretty interesting. Um, for example, did you guys notice that the traditional Superman theme was completely absent from this movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Which and... I'm okay with to an extent because I love this soundtrack. I like it, but it would have been better if they like finished the movie with the Superman theme or something. This is the first Warner Brothers Superman film to not incorporate Williams' score in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel I, I understand them trying to take a new course and do something different, but that theme is so great. It's it iconic, is. man. I feel like they could have like you know do that and do an updated version of that, and then do some more stuff. I understand you've got Hans Zimmer. You don't want him just retreading old ground. And Superman Returns. I, I was listening to some of that soundtrack. Like it's basically just you know John Williams over again. Like it you know it's 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 taking up where he left off, but. Uh, I don't know. There, that's something like that. That scene, that theme is so iconic, and uh, you know, I think I, mixed with some newer stuff would have been great. I, I feel like it would have helped make this feel more like Superman. It for would sure. have felt more Superman esque to hear the iconic Superman music, even if it was some altered rendition. You know, Zimmer could have done something. Oh that, yeah. That, you know, all you're hearing is as he's practicing his takeoff or something in the Arctic, you hear like just that just the notes like you hear those notes. That is you think Superman. Superman. Like, like you, you, you it, it doesn't take much to doesn't drive that home. It doesn't be a big trumpeted fanfare. It just needs to be like subtle and included and just just a little bit there. But it wasn't. Um one other interesting piece of trivia that I found is that they actually hired an expert in linguistics and anthropology at the University of British Columbia to create the Kryptonian language. Hmm. 
Interesting. So they, was, was that language ever used in here, though? I think it was on board the ship. Oh, was it? Okay. Uh, okay. I think it was. I think there were some captions that involved using it on board the ship. And it was an object-subject-verb structure to directly contrast the subject-verb-object structure of the English language. So, as an example, we would say in English, I see him, but in Kryptonian it would come out, him I see. That is interesting. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's realistic. That's kind of how any, it is with any time, Anytime you have them, people creating a language for a movie or something fictional mm-hmm. blows me away. Like the fact that like Tolkien like created all oh, languages yeah. stuff like that. For Tolkien Lord of the Ring. Like, mind-blowing. They, they created Old Valyrian and Dothraki for Game of Thrones. They created a language for the Klingons in Star I Trek. Mean, the fact that people in the real world speak Klingon, like it's a real language you can speak. You can apparently speak. Yeah. Kryptonian too, as long as you understand the vocabulary, because they've got the verb structure now, apparently. But it's it's just interesting. And also, um, Gal Gadot was supposed to be in this movie cast as Feora, but had to drop out due to her pregnancy. Wow, that, that was a been, cl- that would have been that was a close call. It was dodged a, a bullet. It was a close call. No, she didn't dodge the bullet. That's why she had to drop out. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, wow. as we all know, she later became Wonder Woman, which I think was a much better casting for her. And she still doesn't dodge bullets. So right. Know. She just takes right. the bullets out. That time they just bounce off of her. Okay, <laughs> never mind. And Superman is faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, man, there's so much. There's so many bullet jokes. Yes, there's so many. So many. But I'm, I'm not. Mm. Uh, let me see. What's another piece of trivia that came from this? There was there was one other. Oh, the flying animal that Jor-El rides in the the introduction, the first part of the movie, is named Haraka, and that translates to fast in the African language Swahili. Oh wow! Ah, clever. Because so, he moved fast, he flew fast. I fast see what they did there. Feature. Yes. Yes. Let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. A lot of the scenes were taken from the graphic novel Birthright, which I haven't read, but I'm going to have to take their word for it. Here's one that's interesting. Viggo Mortensen was considered for the role of General Zod. Oh, that would have been interesting. Wouldn't that, though? I mean, doesn't mean that I don't like wow. Michael Cannon. However, I did learn that he is the... First non-British actor to play the role of Zod in any other iteration, whether that be the cartoon, whether that be the movies, any other time that Zod has been played, it's been, he's been played by a British actor. Huh. I was just uh, searching for some trivia myself, and I see a Slash Film article from... 2013, August 22nd, 2013. Ben Affleck cast as Batman for Man of Steel sequel. Wow. No way. I remember no way. That no way. That is a fun piece of trivia. I wonder if that movie ever got made. I wonder. I, I will, well, maybe we'll never know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Last piece of trivia. Not a huge thing, but kind of interesting. You know how they always put pseudonyms on the on the films when they're being distributed to the theaters? Yes. 
Like it's not, it's the the film reel is never going to actually say Man of Steel. It's never going to actually say Star Wars. It's going to have some other name on it. The the name on the distribution reels for this film was Skyrim. Really? <laughs> oh wow! That's weird. So imagine the video game fans seeing that and being like, "There's a Skyrim movie." Nope. Sorry. It's just a man who flies through the sky. Uh, I'm also seeing here that uh, Olivia Wilde and Mila Kunis were looked at for the role of Lois Lane. Yeah, I'm glad that Amy Adams got the role, though, because I'm pretty sure in our last discussion, I had some problems with her as Lois. But now that I've seen all the other iterations of Lois, hers is one of the more accurate as far as journalistic um activity is concerned yeah yeah like you 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 look at margot kidder you look at the young lady who was in superman returns i can't even remember her name off the top of my head now but you you just you look at some of the other people that played lois's character and amy adams is actually pretty pretty accurate as far as going and learning about local myths and legends and following that up with, you know, locations and finding names, following those names up to figure out where he came from and, and being able to follow that rabbit trail all the way back to uh, Smallville, Kansas was actually hella impressive. Amy Adams is great. I, I, I said so. La- <clears throat> I said so last week. I'll say it again. She's great. I think she's a bright spot in this movie. I'm glad she's in this universe. I don't know if we'll ever see her again. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see any of these people again, you know, in any other movies, but, like, she's great. She's genuinely, like, I think she does a really great job, and she's kind of, and you get that first when she walks on screen, she's very, like, no-nonsense, like, I'll kick your ass if I have to. <laughs> you know, like, she's what Lo- you expect Lois Lane to be as a really great kick-ass reporter, This this, you know, not willing to take crap of anybody. Um, I'll, really quick, I, I promise. Alternate casting. This will this will end after this. I just really quick. This is interesting because I'm reading here that uh, other actors that were looked at for the role of Superman. Um, we were just talking about Army Hammer earlier. He was in contention. Apparently, Matthew Good, Matt Bomer, Colin O'Donohue, Joe Mangelano. I'm sure I butchered that name. Sorry about that. And Zach, your your arch nemesis. Zach Efron was, no! was almost Superman. No. Why That'd be would, interesting. Why would you do that to a film? Well, they didn't, obviously. But why would you even consider it? Like, oh my gosh. He's disgusted that they even talked about it. I'm just, no. Like, there's so many high school musical references that could be made to this. Being, <laughs> being like... Oh, people of Earth, you're not alone. You're all in this together. Or, uh, or you know, he's he's getting psyched out by General Zod, and then somebody like tries to encourage him and help him up, and they're like, "Get your head in the game, man." <laughs> oh, I can see Jimmy Olsen. I don't see Clark Kent in Zac Efron. Fun fact: really, really. the character Jimmy Olsen was not in this movie. No, and then he, he shows up in BVS for two seconds and gets brutally murdered. Yeah. Does he really? Yeah, he's yeah. murdered in the first opening scene. I in Africa, they shoot I him. I honestly don't remember that. Nobody does. Because <laughs> I don't remember Jack Squad about that movie. 
it is one of the, maybe that's why we need to watch it again. It's one of the oh. most forgettable superhero movies in my list. Like I've got Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice among my three hundred something movies that I've got here, and I have not watched it since the last time we discussed it. Yeah, me neither. I only watched it once. That was enough for me. Right. But maybe we'll do it again because apparently Zach wants to watch it again. Oh, don't and, uh, put this on me. Don't blame me. Well, you're the one that brought it up. You're the one that brought it up. I put it on you. Maybe. That could be maybe yes or maybe no. I was putting it to a vote and hoping to get out voted. It's your fault. Okay, it's all my fault. It always is. It's, no, it's Jake's fault. It's Jake's yes, fault. It's Jake's, Jake's the new guy. Oh, wow. Blame Jake. <laughs> Gotta blame it on somebody. Jeez. You're, the, <sighs> you're not Jake. I Damon. refuse to accept this. You're Jake's scapegoat. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay, well, I think this is as good a time as any to take a quick commercial break and come back and give our overall thoughts on this movie and our planet scores, because we're actually giving those out now, as opposed to when we didn't do that over 200 episodes ago. So stay right here with us. We'll be back in a couple of minutes when the IPC podcast wraps up our discussion on Man of Steel. This is IPC. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh?
All right, we are back here on the IPC podcast, wrapping up our discussion of Man of Steel from 2013. This is only the second uh, revisited episode that we've done in our 284 episodes of existence. We talked about Man of Steel back on episode 61, which was like within the like just after the first year of our existence. Like we were, we had barely been around for a year. And we talked about this movie. That was 223 episodes ago. And we're finally back around to it. The only other movie that we've revisited outside of the Star Wars universe is The Dark Knight. So if that gives you any context, we have talked about a lot of stuff and hardly ever worked our way back around to stuff. So uh, I, I would I would be interested to see what the comparison and contrast is between our thoughts the last time we saw it and, and this time that we've seen it. But... I'm also kind of nervous about what kind of crap I might have said, so uh, let's let's maybe not go there. But one of the one of the differences that we've got between that show and now is that we have patrons of the program. We've got a, a patron support system now. People like Joey Mays, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, Carrie Fleming, and our very own Jake Damon contribute financially to this program. And if you're interested in contributing financially as well, you can do so at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, we're also partners with Star Wars Underworld, whom you just heard the commercial from uh, during the break there. So go check them out as well at StarWarsUnderworld.com. Listen to their program. You can hear Ben's thoughts on the Star Wars universe because uh, we talk about just about everything else on this show. So if you want to hear something that's very Star Wars focused, go check them out over there. You can also find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Heck yeah. All right. So – we, we've done a lot of talking about the stuff that we didn't like in this movie. And I think it's pretty safe to say that the battle for Metropolis is one thing that we all really, really didn't care for. But let's, let's try and take a look at some of the stuff that we did like about this movie. Because uh, if I'm being honest, if I'm being totally honest, now that I've got the context of other Superman movies that we have experienced in the last couple of months, this might be my new favorite Superman movie in spite of all of its flaws. So Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I think, I'm not sure I would go as far as to say it's my favorite, but I like sitting down to watch this thing, because I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't dreading it, but I was like, oh, okay, I gotta watch this movie, you know, I gotta do this, and I sat down. I quite enjoyed it. Like, it was a, it was, it kept my attention. It was fun. Like, it's a fun movie. It's a very intense, very wild ride, but it doesn't like. It's it's not a boring movie. Like, it keeps you it keeps you engaged. Um, I, you know, I I'll admit, yeah, the some of the action sequences are a bit much, and I I think. It could have been done better in certain cases, but like it is intriguing, and I, I like what it does with a lot of different things, and I love the general idea of what it's trying to do with a lot of different things. And you know, it's 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 you know, it's a it's a it's a stronger movie than most Superman movies, I think. Yeah, I agree. That's fair. Well, let, let's go ahead and go into to like uh, final thoughts and planet scores. Then Jake, you get to lead us off, my man. Uh, final thoughts. I, I think that it is a, 
decent movie for what it is. Like if there were no other Superman movies. If the if Superman didn't exist and this was the very first Superman anything to come out, I think it was a very unique, interesting movie. I, I would be like, oh, this is something I haven't seen before. Um, but it's not. It's 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 you know latest in a long line of incarnations of Superman. And to be honest, it's not my favorite. I think there are parts in here, like I said, the whole approach to the the realisticness and the explaining and uh, the world building. I like those elements, but the <sighs> some other elements, not not so much. And um, I don't know. Like you said at the beginning, guys, it's it's a, it's a mixed bag for me. And um, I. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess my planet score, I'm going to put it right at 7.5 because there, there are parts in this movie that I would give like a nine or 10 to as far as, you know, writing and, and, and cinematography. My goodness, there are scenes in here that I just want to screenshot and use as a, a back background on my, uh, monitor, my computer monitor. Um, but then there are other scenes in here that just kind of make you roll your eyes. Um, so I, I would, I would put it right in the middle there. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, Ben, where do you sit with this? Well, you know, I think I'm mostly in agreement with, with Jake. It it is a mixed bag. It is a movie that has a lot of good ideas and a lot of uh, not very good ideas in my opinion. But still, like I was saying, it, it does a lot of things right. I think I like the sensibility that Snyder is going for with trying to reinvent Superman, basically. You know, because you did, you know, it, it does have, you know, even though Christopher Reeve's Superman, especially those two films, are very highly regarded, you know, in film history and just among people, and of people that remember those movies, in regards to, like, how beloved they are and how beloved this character is so but there is this whole thing of like all the rest of the movies weren't very good since then and you know you're introducing superman to a whole new generation of people and trying to do it in a way that feels very real and i mean we have to mention like 2013 was the you know right after the Avengers came out. Like, this is the year later. This is the height of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the height of the superhero boom. Yeah. Or at least the kind of the... the It's starting to peak at that point. It was really getting into, like, it, okay, this is the... This is the age of superheroes. I mean, it, it, it's it's following up Avengers, and it's coming out the same year you get Iron Man 3 and Thor 2. Exactly, exactly. So, so Marvel's kicking into high gear. They've already had their massive, massive hit... And DC, this is their answer to that. This is DC saying, okay, we're doing this. We're doing a true blue, perhaps, you know, uh, very literally, uh, yeah, Superman no, film. No red underwear. No red underwear. Um, true blue Superman. And uh, we're going to do it as realistic and as grounded as possible. And, you know, we're we're going to maybe make a universe out of this. And and as, as we were talking about earlier, like, you know, this was just a... a new Superman movie. We didn't know anything about, you know, Batfleck and all that kind of stuff and all the drama that's going on now, which I think has been some good, but a lot of, a lot, some bad, but a lot of good too. I like Birds of Prey. I like a lot of these movies. So, um, I think this movie is trying to do a lot of 
interesting things with the character Superman, taking a character that is very outdated, very, you know, just he's Superman. Like, he's the ultimate kind of, we talked about Gary Stews. He's got all the powers. Like, he's he's literally invincible. That's his character. And, you know, I, I like that, you know, the whole reverse engineering of his story, you know, how he got the suit, why he was sent to Earth, how he dealt with that, you know, the kind of mixed editing of his origin story that it do, it go it goes straight from the, you know, the destruction of Krypton to him on the old rig and him, you know, being an adult and it kind of intercuts. I really like that. I think that's a really brilliant way to kind of tell his origin and not retread and do what the original movies did and do it in a different way. That's really well done. The sensibilities in the storytelling and the overarching kind of messaging of the thing, I think is really good. Um, I mean, I think it's a solid enough movie. I think really, I think it probably gets trashed way too much in pretty much every movie you can say that about. And, you know, it's not a movie that I say that, you know, I love, that I'm going to go back and watch over and over again. You know, I might not watch it till the next time that I have to watch it for the show whenever that happens. But, Early, I did enjoy about it five well years from now. Just wait for the Man of Steel revisited trifecta in 2025. When we finally get that Man of Steel too, they keep promising us. <laughs> um, but if that ever happens, but needless to say, I enjoyed it this time. I, I I don't hate it. I really do not hate this movie. I think there's a lo- it's got a lot going for it. It's just as Jake said perfectly, a mixed bag of a movie that has a, just a lot of weird choices and odd choices and stuff just like what were you thinking and action sequences that I think are, are way too long and I don't want to keep going on the, the, the negative stuff because I, I don't like to be negative about things and I think there's a lot of good in this movie so I will give it what do I give it what do I give this movie I'm going to give it a 6.9 out of 10 there you go <laughs> <laughs> 69 6.9 6. <laughs> <laughs> interrupted Giggity. the period <laughs> you dirty boy oh gosh uh, I guess it comes to me then I I really grew to appreciate the storyline and the character development the world building like you mentioned Jake the exposition the, the battle for Smallville I definitely prefer over the battle of Metropolis um yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that, and I I like the interrogation sequence when he's talking to them through the mirror. I, I think that's really pivotal, and the final scene at the end where he's uh, bringing down the drone, he's like, "You're not gonna find me. I'm not gonna let you find me. I am my own man. You just need to let me be." That kind of thing. I'm a Superman, damn it. Well, there's <laughs> there's just a lot about him that lets you know, yes, I'm here to protect the people of Earth. But I am not from Earth. I am in this world, but I'm not of it. And in some regards, that's kind of scriptural to a certain degree. I'm surprised that they didn't try to throw that in there. But um, there, there are a lot of things that they tried to take from the first two Christopher Reeve movies about his origins and his planet, where he comes from, how he comes to defend the people of Earth, and then bringing in a, a character other than Lex Luthor. You know, he, he's kind of the primary nemesis of Superman. And to bring in General Zod instead of Lex Luthor was a very interesting choice because now he's having to choose between Earth and his people right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's good for his character development. It's good for his character arc. The problem is it 
takes so long for all of that to unfold. You're getting his character development in the first half of the film, and then you're getting his defense of the planet in the second half of the film. And it's it's so much. It's so overwhelming. There's so much to experience. There's so much to take in. And some of it's well-written, some of it's not. Some of it has some really good action components. Some of it, like the Battle of Metropolis, does not. And I find the kind of blatant product placement that we got with the IHOPs and the Nikons just completely unforgivable. And there's just there's certain things about it that, like you guys have said, feel like a mixed bag. And it's really disappointing because, like I said, in my opinion, this is probably, in spite of its flaws, it's got great scenes with characters like Russell Crowe at the very beginning and as he's he's teaching Kal-El who he is. Um, it's got great sequences like that. It's got great lore from the comics. It's got some some compelling moments for the characters. And there there's a lot more to like about this movie than I originally thought. If I was watching it with somebody else, I would probably watch it again. I don't think I'd watch it on my own, but I would watch it to break it down with some friends of mine or with a family I agree. or something like that. Like I would want to dissect this film with somebody else and I would do it again probably within the next six to 12 months, I would do it again. I really don't know if I want to wait another four or five years to see this film again, but at the same time, I don't think it would be any great loss to me to wait that long. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there are still movies on my DVD shelf that I haven't seen yet that I need to get around to seeing, and I'll probably end up trying to watch all of them before I cycle back around to Man of Steel again. Like, that's that's just the nature of this film. Like we were talking about at the top of the show, there are so many movies that came out in 2013 that I would rather watch or rewatch before I go see Man of Steel again. That's just that's just the nature of it. That's just the nature of this film and the competition that it faces and the, the movie slate that it came out amongst. You know, I would rather watch Wolf of Wall Street, Great Gatsby. I don't think I'd watch Despicable Me 2, but I might watch... <gasps> Sacrilege. I might watch Thor The Dark World. I don't think I'd watch Iron Man 3. I think I liked Man of Steel more than I liked Iron Man 3. I am not a fan of Iron Man 3. But <laughs> I'm I'm getting off track here. We're, we're getting into Final yeah, Thoughts and, and, and Planet Scores. And, and my score, uh, in, in keeping with actually, you know, that stating my belief that I think it's better than all the previous Superman films, I've got it rated higher than any of the other Superman films. So, um, in spite, in spite of all of its flaws and such, uh, I'm going to go off of my normal curve. I don't think it's an eight, but I don't think it should be as low as a 7.5. Cause I think I've rated other Superman films, a 7.5. So I'm going to give it a 7.7. 7. Hmm. That sounds fair. It, it's sounds fair. It's it, it feels weird to say that because I usually go in halvesies. It's usually a seven point five or an eight, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it a little bit differently this this time around. So, a a seven point seven, a six point nine, and a seven point five is twenty two point one out of a possible thirty points. Our aggregated score is seventy three point six percent. Nice. 
Okay, there's something that's been preying on my mind this whole time. Uh-oh. That I have to mention. Okay. I found another cameo. Oh, mm. did you? This is some one that's been racking my brain the entire time. The entire show, I've been trying to figure out where I've seen this guy before. And so, okay, real quick, just some back to back up here. There's a character called Officer Sikowski. And when they when Lois Lane goes to the Arctic base or wherever they are at to survey the down ship, and there's a guy at the computer, and he's tapping away and he's telling information, and the, the guys are talking. And then when they take oh, when he takes off in the ship, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the yeah. the guy's name, the actor's name is Alessandro Giuliani, and Alessandro is from the 100, isn't he? He is. There you go, Sinclair <laughs> from I, the 100. I knew, I knew that face. I. I was I had a hunch that he was from the 100, but I wasn't sure. He's Abby's assistant, I think. Yeah, didn't didn't he die? Didn't they kill him off? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like the I feel like the last time I I feel like I remember being sad about him dying <laughs> at some point. Of course, they kill everybody in that show. So uh. yeah. Oh, here's the here's the first thing. Uh, who killed Sinclair in the 100? Oh boy. Wasn't it the wasn't it the grounder guy the from the Mount Weather in, and that guy broke in in the episode Demons after arriving back at Arcadia, he is stabbed to death by Carl Emerson while protecting Raven, after Emerson infiltrates Arcadia. Emerson, that son of a bleep, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> son of a bleep, man! I've said the a word like four times in this episode. You can say bitch. Come on. All right, son of a bitch, guy. <laughs> Uh, recurring character in first, second, third, and fourth seasons. He was killed by Carl Emerson. Yeah, Emerson was one of the one of the convicts from the from the prison ship, wasn't he? Maybe I thought he was one of like the last survivor of you know the Mount Weather thing. The only survivor from Mount Weather. You're right. That's what that's what his profile says. Okay, getting off track here. We need to talk about the quote of the night from this movie. <laughs> I I pitched this to you guys in the chat, and I I don't know if how you guys feel about it, but I feel like this is this is one worth uh, going into because it's it's world building, it's character development, it's exposition, and it involves uh, both Russell Crowe and uh, Henry Cavill. Mm -hmm. He he's he's on board the ship, and the hologram, the AI, introduces himself for the first time, and he kind of gets to know his origins a little bit. And I just, I think it's a really great character development scene. And I, I feel like Russell Crowe does the job so well uh, when it comes to monologuing, when it comes to, to dialoguing, there are very few in the business that do do it better than Russell Crowe. He's really good at it. He's really good. And this is a great scene. It is. It is. So without further ado, we're going to shut up and we're going to give you guys a glimpse of tonight's quote of the night. To see you standing there having grown into an adult. If only Lara could have witnessed this. Who are you? I am your father, Cal. Or at least a shadow of him. His consciousness. My name was Joel. And Cal? That's my name, Cal L. 
Why did you send me here? You came from Krypton. A world with a much harsher environment than Earth's. Long ago, in an era of expansion, our race spread out through the stars, seeking new worlds to settle upon. The scout ship was one of thousands launched into the void. We built outposts on other planets, using great machines to reshape environments to our needs. For 100,000 years, our civilization flourished, accomplishing wonders. What happened? Artificial population control was established. The outposts and space exploration were abandoned. We exhausted our natural resources. As a result, our planet's core became unstable. Eventually, our military leader, General Zod, attempted a coup. But by then, it was too late. Your mother and I foresaw the coming calamity and we took certain steps to ensure your survival. This is a Genesis chamber. All Kryptonians were conceived in chambers such as this. Every child was designed to fulfill a predetermined role in our society, as a worker, a warrior, a leader, and so on. Your mother and I believe Krypton had lost something precious, the element of choice, of chance. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended for him or her? a child aspired to something greater. You were the embodiment of that belief, Cal. Krypton's first natural birth in centuries. That's why we risked so much to save you. Why didn't you come with me? We couldn't, Cal. No matter how much we wanted to. No matter how much we loved you. Your mother, Lara, and I were a product of the failures of our world as much as Zod was, tied to its fate. Zod alone? No. You're as much a child of Earth now as you are of Krypton. You can embody the best of both worlds, the dream your mother and I dedicated our lives to preserve. The people of Earth are different from us, it's true. But ultimately, I believe that's a good thing. They won't necessarily make the same mistakes we did. Not if you guide them, Cal. Not if you give them hope. That's what this symbol means. The symbol of the House of El means hope. Embodied within that hope is the fundamental belief in the potential of every person to be a force for good. That's what you can bring them. Man, like I said, Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, man. He's, I mean, he's great. Like, you know, it's hard to follow Brando, but, like, he does it. Like, he does it really well. I so, like him in this movie. 16, 17, 18, 25, 28. Like, Clark Kent speaks, like, fewer than 30 words in this whole scene. And wow. And the rest of it is just Russell Crowe talking about the world and 
and what they've lost and what he can possibly do. Like it's, 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 it's riveting. Um, Unfortunately, we've gone a little bit over our time and a little too much beyond time for one of our co-hosts. So at this point, we're going to be saying goodnight to Mr. Damon. Dude, thank you for sticking it out as long as you did and uh, looking forward to having you on again. Where can the folks at home keep up with you in between now and next time? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon. Sometimes I tweet stuff. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. Sometimes I Instagram stuff. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time talking you got, about it. You got man. an update on that, on that sketch that you said you were doing during the show? Oh yeah, I'll post a picture. I, I'm I'm pretty much done with it. I'll post a picture uh, on on the uh, on the page on the IPC page. Uh, it's kind of like a classic rendition of Superman from the from the uh, 30s and 40s, but I, I gave him the normal Superman logo that we're all used to, not the badge logo that he had back then. But so it's kind of a amalgam. But uh, I had fun drawing it. I had fun talking about Man of Steel. It was fun revisiting. Lots of good. Lots of not so good got that mixed bag thing going on but uh it was fun rewatching it because I, I watch it with my wife and that's always fun i like watching stuff with her so uh thanks for talking guys and i will talk to you next week right. on voyage my friend thanks for coming yep, yep. bye Alrighty, that was jake damon of the intergalactic peace coalition looking forward to having him on again uh whenever that time may be who knows what lies in store next week i think we're due for a top five episode pretty soon aren't we ben probably so probably so we did a, we did a top six last week but it was just just for us but that was just, just us so we need to open just, we need to open it up to the floor and and get some uh get some ideas flowing so maybe that'll be next week's episode who knows and you can always anybody can throw out a, a top five suggestion we we, we take free suggestions mm-hmm. <laughs> if you if you have something because we've done a lot of topics Heck, but, uh, you know, doing you never know. doing top five stuff was a suggestion in and of itself so i mean yeah exactly and it became one of the more popular elements that we do on the show so yeah totally uh go hit us up at ipc podcast on facebook twitter and instagram and we'll uh we'll listen to uh, any and all ideas speaking of ideas i had an idea for the next segment we've got this evening if you do not have one um no i don't believe i have anything in mind i had something in mind but i think we'll have to save it for when jake is on the show I okay. think you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But uh, we'll 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 save that for later, and we'll do whatever you have in mind. Well, um, we revisited a certain movie, so uh-huh. why not revisit the topic from when we last discussed this movie? Oh, I'm very interested because you you I, I don't know if you mentioned on the show now, but you found the old notes. I did from find, that original show. I did find the old so show notes. I'm I'm very intrigued to see uh, what you found. It's, it should be interesting. But for those of you who uh, don't know what we're talking about, it's time to get out your hashtags and start putting them in the chat if you're listening live. Put them on social media if you're not. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and everything else in between. Because it is time, one more time, for everybody's favorite food-related element on the IPC podcast – it's time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue.
barbecue. Watch. Oh, yeah, and holy crap, I am looking at these notes that you just sent me. <laughs> this is a blast from the past, man. <laughs> this is big time. Oh, man, this is, this is I, I love looking at this because we had a call-in number back in the day, <laughs> which don't do call-ins anymore. Do not. That number still exists, but we don't use it. Do not call the IPC podcast because we had too many people um, call us with completely irrelevant topics that just, it, it, it did not work. It did not work. But our news elements were like deadpan reviews for the new Fantastic Four movie. Uh, oh my gosh! I, is it fantastic, fan fantastic as it's called, mm-hmm. was coming out at the same time. That's hilarious. Doomed by eleven point three million dollar Friday gross at the box office. I remember this. And then Entertainment Weekly's report that Constance Zimmer was going to be in season three of Agents of Shield. Yeah, this is interesting because I remember like it says she's going to be the main villain. She wasn't the main villain. No, <laughs> I don't know where this was coming from. No, but uh and she didn't last very long from what I remember. She was uh she got killed off pretty quickly. Well but, spoilers for Agents of Shield. But also season three. Yeah, season three. We're coming up on the final season, which is season seven, I believe. Yeah. In a couple weeks. Crazy. Yeah. And then like our URLs for following us and stuff is like IPC 1138. <laughs> we haven't been IPC 1138 in years. And oh my God. you apparently at one point had a username that was dubbed Ben Hart Attack instead of Ben Hart with no E. That was the that was the OG. That was the OG me online. Mm-hmm. And um oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Look at the, what did you do? Look at the very bottom of the notes. Ah, ah. Oh my goodness! History is repeating itself. <laughs> oh dear God! So, so this this review was from what 2015? Yeah. This review happened in 2015, and like Monday or Tuesday, I was watching this movie. And at the very, very end of Man of Steel, Lois welcomes Clark Kent to the newspaper and says, welcome to the planet. <laughs> so I wrote you guys in the group chat that we have for these these three podcasting dudes. And I said, we should play Dare You to Move by Switchfoot. <laughs> because the opening words to that song are... Welcome to the planet. And apparently, I had the same bleeping idea five years ago. Yep. Your great minds think alike, and also great minds... A great mind thinks the same. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I've got the link to the song and everything. We did the exact same idea. We gotta do something else now, don't we? Oh, shoot. 
I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's up to whoever edits this stupid podcast. Maybe you'll hear Dare You to Move. Maybe you'll hear something else. I don't even know anymore. I don't feel like I deserve to have it included in this episode because I thought of the same thing five years ago. Great job, Zach. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. But anyways, Barbecue Watch. That's the segment we're supposed to be talking about right now. <laughs> possibly, possibly. I sent you a link, a Time Magazine article from June of 2015 titled America's Best Cities for Barbecue. Mm, Written by Trina Brown Hunt in 2015. And it is the top 20 cities for barbecue experiences. Should we just go through the top 10? Yeah, let's do that. Let's just go through the top 10 and see what was rated the top 10 barbecue locations in 2015. And how does that hold up five years later? At number 10, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Interesting choice. I don't really think of barbecue. I think of Albuquerque. I really, but... I really don't either. But here's here's the thing. One of the two uh, barbecue-related elements that she includes in this in this uh, paragraph is Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, and uh, Rudy's is based out of Austin. That's a ch- uh-huh. that is a chain based out of Austin. So um, it's not Albuquerque Barbecue; it's Austin Barbecue in Albuquerque. Very interesting. Just throwing that out there. So what do we got at number nine? We got Charleston, South Carolina. Which mm. seems like a natural choice. I mean, being Carolina is being so synonymous with barbecue and really having their own style of barbecue. You know, mm-hmm. Carolina style barbecue. Right. Exactly. Um, so uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and they're talking about here. Um, you know, obviously, kind of the the mix of uh, you know barbecue and seafood, which is you know a big thing. Any anytime you get close to the coast in the South, you know, South synonymous with barbecue. But when you get to the get to the coast seafood starts creeping in you got all kinds of fish and shrimp and whatever and sometimes it crosses over we've talked about that before but uh you know obviously you know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of beaches and a lot of stuff in, in the carolinas and so this is really cool and uh I mentioned a place called home team barbecue which I'm looking into right now. As you can see, you can always tell when someone on a podcast is, is not completely paying attention to what they're doing. their words out a little bit. And like, you, if you're reading on a podcast, you automatically go into this really enthrall. Um, yeah, we're professionals here. Uh, apparently, um, they do something called low country shrimp boils and oyster tables alongside pulled pork and creamy grits. I'm sorry. None of that sounds like it belongs together on a plate. I'm here for it, man. I'm game. I'm. I'm just. I'm not a seafood person. I'm really not. I am like. Ooh. I'm like. The, I'm like the sharks from Finding Nemo. Fish are friends, not food. Nah, fish. Fish are friends and food. Nope. Um. They have the, the sauces here. They have. Oh, uh, hot. They have like hot sauce. They have pepper vinegar. They have mustard. Sweet red. Hot red and red. I don't know what the red is. Is that like sweet hot? Sweet red, hot red, and just red. Just red, which I, I assume is like the the tomato. We obviously red sauce because you know Carolinas are known for the vinegar 
clear sauces. Right. And and mustard sauces. It's got to be like ketchup based, I'm guessing then. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, or, or here's here's one thing that I've noticed about some chicken establishments around here, they have started infusing their sauces with sriracha. Really? Yeah. There's a there's this one place in in Dallas that's called uh, Rudy's Chicken, and I've gone there a couple of times in the last couple of months, and their their batter, their seasoning that they have with their batter for their chicken, um, is the same seasoning that you get on a Lay's barbecue potato chip. <laughs> wow. And then their dipping sauce is like a sweet and sour tangy sauce that's got probably some kind of citrus juice in it, like like orange or or lime or something like that. And then it, it's like it's like got some peppercorn type stuff in it. And then the base, I am almost 90% certain is uh sriracha wow that's interesting so if, have you ever have you ever tried uh the the vinegar kind of carolina style clear sauces so i haven't tried the vinegar style but i have had the mustard style because my sister's fiance is from south carolina and ah. she went out there to go visit the in-laws not too long ago and brought back mustard-based barbecue sauce and that oh. is a very different experience from what I usually yeah. get. I think yeah. – doesn't your restaurant have vinegar-based sauces on the tables? Well, we have a red sauce. I think it's vinegar-based, but it's a it's a red kind of traditional barbecue sauce. It's kind okay. of slightly thick, and there's the clear sauce, which is like really heavy vinegar, like uh-huh. – and it's – it stinks. I'm telling you, it Gee, is it, my, to to smell it. It stinks, but it tastes really good. My my sister complained about the smell when she had it. She's like, "This is just straight vinegar. This isn't barbecue sauce." Like she was, and it, she was critiquing it the way we critique barbecue on this show. Like, and she, it's really weird. The consistency is very watery. So if you like pour it in your sandwich, it's like pouring water on your meat. Yep. And it's really weird, but it's I like it. Like it's good. I didn't expect to like it. Um, and I'm sure I've talked about it on the show more than once before. But like, it's really good. But yeah, the sat the smell is. Ugh. <laughs> uh, let's move on to number eight on the list. We're only at. Oh, I forgot what we were doing here. <laughs> yeah, we only got to number nine. We're at, we're at, we're done with number nine. Number eight is uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. There, there are a couple of local places that are listed here: Fox Brothers Barbecue and Daddy D's with a Z. Daddy D's Barbecue Joint, J O Y N T. If there was ever some place I would want to go try, if I'm ever in Atlanta, I've got to go try Daddy D's Barbecue Joint just for the name alone. Oh my gosh! I am disappointed now because, okay, full disclosure: I was born in Atlanta. I've been there a thousand times. I've never eaten barbecue in Atlanta. Oh, I'm ashamed so, of you now. Yeah, I know. I know. It's awful. So Daddy D's definitely sounds like right up my alley. Like the name, um, the name alone is a winner for me. Yeah, that's great. It's got – okay, it's got a big neon pig but it says welcome to Daddy D's. Okay, you've got me sold, Daddy Fox. D's. Okay, and listen to this. Fox Brothers offers St. Louis-style ribs, which I don't know what's, what the difference is with St. Louis-style ribs. Okay. St. Louis style are the trimmed up 
they're kind of look like baby backs. They're not really curved. They're real thin. Mm-hmm. And that's your kind of standard ribs where you have um, spare. Like it, The difference is, you know, St. Louis is really thin. Spare is the whole thing. It's oh. the big, wide, like, slab of ribs if you see. Um, and if you, I'm sure you can just Google it and see kind of a comparison. But, like, they, it's kind of the difference. And then you have baby backs, which are really tiny. They don't have much meat on them, whereas St. Louis is, like, the perfect blend of, like, a good bit of meat without all the fat. Okay. Okay. So they, the, the, this article says they do that type of ribs, but chicken fried. Chicken fried ribs. My God. I need to try this. Like, I need to take a trip to Atlanta now just for chicken fried ribs. Oh, this is blowing. Oh. This is legitimately blowing my mind right now. I, ne- I never considered the idea of of frying ribs i haven't either but now like most of the time when i'm thinking fried it's either fried chicken which does have bone or i'm thinking like fried tenders or fried chicken fried steak or something like that which doesn't have bone in it but if you can do fried chicken tenders you can totally do uh um fried uh fried ribs that sounds uh fantastic now fox brothers this is cool because they have like a restaurant it's on uh 1230 1238 DeKalb Avenue Northeast in Atlanta and then they have a a what they're calling a kiosk which is just a walk up place in uh on Oddly Drive. So it sounds, like that's that, really cool. That sounds almost like a food truck for barbecue. Basically like a food truck that's not mobile. It looks like it looks, looks like they took just a a big cargo container and turned it into a food truck. Oh, interesting. okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I got to go to Atlanta now. <laughs> road trip! I'm about to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good road trip for you. I'd have to fly there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit longer. It's a, yeah, little, it's a little bit longer of a road trip. How long is it from, from Mississippi to Atlanta? About six hours? It's about six hours. Yeah, yeah. it's a good, it's a good, it's a nice, nice drive. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a long day and it's very boring because you go through Alabama and no offense to Alabama, but... There's nothing going on there. There's nothing in between here and there. I would challenge you, my friend, to go to Cheeha State Park. I believe I've been to Cheeha. Cheeha. I believe I have. Cheeha State Park. I've been there once. They've got this uh, river that flows through it, and there's a there's like a natural uh, uh, there's a natural waterfall at one point that's about ten to fifteen feet high. It's not super big, but it's got a little pool before it starts flowing down the river again and it's almost dammed up by the rocks or something and because of the water from the waterfall it's like crystal clear water in that in that little wading area and it's deep enough that you can jump from that fall into the pool that's crystal clear and it's really really pretty it's very moderate temperature i've done it before and i usually don't like those types of high jumps but that one was really really fun yeah i i've i'm i'm remembering now i've actually been to chiha i forgot all about this um i believe it was snowing when i was there oh. i believe it was like a lot of snow on the ground or something it must have been december or january great but uh, it was great view and i think they got a restaurant up at the top of the hilltop up there where you can have like food with a view yeah I, we may have even gone to that restaurant i don't know it all blurs together at this point uh but that's interesting. Also, I shouldn't say there's nothing in Alabama because also, if you ever detour to Huntsville, they got a nice space center there. They got so, they uh, got that, and they got Talladega. You're right, Talladega. There you go. All right, 
Moving on to number seven. That was another tangent. How right. do we keep doing this? Right, We keep talking about cities instead of the food, but this one's kind of important for me because clocking in at number seven is my hometown, Dallas, Texas. There you go. The, the you Big go. D may lie farther away geographically from Lockhart than Austin does, but there is a Lockhart, uh, a Lockhart smokehouse uh, that's not too far away. And we've also got something called the Pecan Lodge which does handmade sausage along with ribs that average a pound each. Whoa. One pound. That's bit. Texas big. We got everything's bigger in Texas. Um, but the Dallas area also encompasses Dallas and Fort Worth and some of the surrounding suburbs and stuff. So, yeah, Pecan Lodge is one that is really fantastic. There's another one in DFW that's not on the list that's called Hard Eight. And there's a couple of them. One of them is really far out, but there's another one in Fort Worth. And Hard Eight is one of those places that is like really difficult to get into because everybody's going there. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So there's there's plenty of barbecue to go around. We got stuff like Rudy's and and Dickies and Cokers and Coulters. There's one here in the in the Arlington area, which is right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. The Arlington area has another place that I still regret not taking you guys to that's called Jambos. Jambos. Oh. Jambos Barbecue is a, is a locally owned place, and they have this sandwich that is enormous. Like, you literally cannot fit it in your mouth because it is so incredibly big. Uh, wow. Let me see if I can find an image for it. The images for this, holy crap. They call it the Big Jambo Sandwich, and it's two pieces of Texas toast. And the first layer is uh, brisket. Then there's a layer of turkey. Then there's another layer of brisket, and then hot links. And then the top layer is three barbecue ribs sandwiched by the other piece of Texas toast. Holy crap. Yeah. So if you're ever in the DFW area, hit me up and I will take you to get a big jambo. I just sent you a picture of it in uh, Facebook Messenger. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were they smoking when they came up with this thing? They were smoking all kinds of meats, brother. <laughs> Whoa, damn. Yeah, you literally yeah. cannot fit that in your mouth. So everything, everything's bigger in Texas. Come to Lockhart, come to Pecan Lodge, come to Heart 8. But if you're ever in my neck of the woods, I'm taking you to Jambos. That's what you can get yeah. in the Dallas area. I love it. I love it. All right, on to number six. What do we got in the sixth spot, brother? We got Oklahoma City, and uh, they're mentioning here, of course, uh, Backdoor Barbecue on 23rd Street. Um, there's a place called Iron Star downtown, apparently. Brown, Oklahoma, it, brown Oklahoma sugar is, cured brisket. Oh, my gosh. That sounds really good. Oklahoma is a big blind spot for me because I've like been to Oklahoma but not into hey, Oklahoma. So I haven't been all the way up into Oklahoma City, but I have had like stuff from Oklahoma chain barbecue restaurants. Uh, I talked about it on one of our previous episodes called the Rib Crib. Uh-huh, yeah, and yeah, I'm they, familiar. They seem to be more about the combinations of barbecues, like what you can combine, like chicken with beef and beef with pork and stuff like that. 
but to have something that is brown sugar cured, oh my gosh, my mouth is watering. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's great. I, that sounds wonderful. I don't really care for Oklahoma as a state, but I might have to go to Oklahoma City to try brown sugar cured brisket. Like that sounds like dinner and dessert all rolled into one. Wow. Um, and there also, um, uh, there's another call, place called Bedlam Barbecue, and it says where the smoked meat menu features brisket, polis sausage, and bologna. Bologna smoked is wonderful. I don't think I've ever had smoked bologna. That's it. An- and I'm not a big fan of bologna, but like when it's like they, they cut it real thick, like because you get it in like a huge thing, like it's like before it's like cut real thin, you get it in a big giant like loaf and you cut it real thick. Oh, it's good. The sauce on it, it's great. Interesting. I got something to try now. I don't think I see those on, like, menus at traditional Texas barbecue places. So maybe the only place I'll be able to get it is Oklahoma. Who knows? Yeah, it's not something you see very often. It's something that I haven't tr- eaten in quite a few years because you never see it. Mm-hmm. That's that's also that's fair. That is fair. Okay, we're moving into the top five now. We're running out of time, so we're going to have to, like, maybe not go on so many tangents about cities and just look at what kind of food they have to offer. Ch- uh, checking in at number five, I was about to say chucking in and I was like, that's not right. Um, checking in at number five from this list is Nashville, Tennessee. And which I'm, I'm kind of surprised didn't rank higher, but uh, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of good, a lot of good stuff in Nashville. There's some pretty deserving ones ranked a little bit higher though. Like the, the top three, I think are very appropriately ranked. Um, but mm-hmm. Nashville's home to Edley's Barbecue, Peg Leg Porker, and Martin's, which prides themselves on not owning either a microwave or a freezer. And their signature item at Martin's is the Redneck Taco, which is a <laughs> cornbread hoe cake topped with meat, slaw, and barbecue sauce. I've heard I've heard of the Redneck Taco before. That sounds amazing. I need the redneck taco in my life. I just need food in my life. It's late, and I'm definitely going to Whataburger after this. It's amazing that people in Tennessee came up with a redneck taco because yeah. uh, I expected I expected you you guys out in Texas with your Tex-Mex would have conjured that up. I would have expected it from Arkansas or Louisiana or even northern Mississippi because that's kind of where we tend to affiliate rednecks more than Texas. Oh, you're you're so you're saying we're all rednecks. I get it. I, get I it. said I, I northern Mississippi specifically to exclude you, man. <laughs> no, no. There's rednecks everywhere, y'all. They're everywhere. It's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, we're coming back to my home state now. With uh, number four being the Houston area, which honestly, Houston's a little bit of a blind spot for me. I have not been to the Houston area in about five years due to personal reasons. So some of these places that they're talking about are places that I probably haven't been to because I just I have not been out there that recently. And as far and from what I've heard, Houston's a uh, Houston's a rat race. It's a, like there's, it, there's a lot of people. It's there. a bit of a hole. If I'm going to be totally honest, like it's it's kind of a void. You go there and you never come back out or you go, or, or you escape and you don't want to intentionally go back. You're saying it's a black hole is what you're saying. Well, I'm trying not to be racist. So I just said hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That's racist. OK. Uh, no, OK. I get you. They, I get you. they are home to Gatlin's Barbecue. Killens in Pearland goes the meat on trays route. 
And then there's also uh, low and slow meats that are prepared at Good Company, which has its original location on Kirby Drive. And they always leave room for the jalapeno cheese bread and the Brazos Bottom pecan pie. Oh, my God. Jalapeno cheese bread sounds pretty amazing. I'm not as big a fan of pecan pie, but the whole Brazos Bottom, including like a Texas element in there, is kind of cool. Um, so, you know, I might go to Good Company just to try it, but I'd probably end up going to Good Company on my way to the beach. So there's there's a beach about 45 minutes south of Houston, and I might go to Good Company for dinner and then keep going to the beach afterwards or something. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Jalapeno cheese bread. Man. I'm getting hungry, y'all. Yeah, I'm getting hungry. same, dude, same. Okay, let's get, let's get oh. through these top three. We're going to stay in the Lone Star State. Have you noticed that there are three cities in the Lone Star State ranked in the top ten? I mean, it is a big state. It's a I big mean, state, but it's also got a lot of really good. But we're going to the weirdest part of that state. Yes, literally. Keep Austin weird. The state capital is the funkiest, weirdest, strangest place in the entire state. Like, Houston's just a whole. Austin's just weird. It it just is. It's and they are proud of it's it. It's very preppy. It's very hipster. It's very bougie. It's very expensive. But um, I I've got to say I have been to several of these places, including Styles and Franklin. I've been to Franklin Barbecue before. They serve everything all the cart. So you get one type of meat. You get one type of meat. You get another type of meat. You can get a side here, a side here. The drink is separate. And it's all put on just wax paper with trays with some white bread on the side to sop up the sauce when you're done. Like, it is mm-hmm. it is very, very good. I'm surprised that the salt lick in Round Rock just outside of Austin wasn't included on this list. Some of the best marble cut brisket I've ever had came from the salt lick just outside of Austin. Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds good. It's really that. good. It's really, really Whew. good. I got I to, gotta, like... I, I gotta eat something, man. <laughs> we're we're getting to the end here. You can go out to eat after this. Oh, Hopefully, so I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything open where you are because uh, you know. I'm going to Whataburger. Okay, all right. Maybe maybe just the drive-through. Maybe or, or, or do they have the dining room open and everything? Yeah, they got yeah. the drive-through. I'm gonna bring it back home. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's but, that's the way they're. They're just starting to open things around me where until you can kind of actually like behave normally and go in and actually eat something inside oh, it's amazing what a surprise Oops. it's amazing i wonder if they've um, got that in the number two city ranked on this list here i don't know because it's not that far away it's literally at the other end of my state and you know you know it's got to be high up on this list when you literally have a style of barbecue named after this city yep memphis tennessee yep memphis style barbecue um, you know, I, I, I love Memphis, been there several times, um, such amazing barbecue, and, you, you know, you've got everything from, from Rendezvous, which is this, like, mysterious place, you're kind of going into a basement. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all in there, and then you got Beale Street, which is amazing, and there's, there's a place kind of on the outskirts of town called The Commissary, which I've been to a couple times, it's really good. Um, and yeah, just, just, there's so much. I mean, it, it's, it's freaking Memphis, Tennessee, the home of Memphis in May. Like you, you cannot go there and not, you know, think of it as one of, one of 
the barbecue capitals of the world. But I think number one is a is a close is a close contender, and obviously it didn't make number one. But Memphis is is up. What's there. funny is all of those places that you mentioned aren't even listed in this article. So yeah. go check out all of those places, but also go check out Payne's, check out the Cozy Corner or the Barbecue Shop which is home of the Dancing Pigs barbecue sauce. I've never heard of it. Uh, (laughs) But for those of you who don't know what Memphis style is, it's a dry rub, and the meat is smoked over hickory wood. Not pecan, not mesquite, hickory. It's smoked over hickory, and then as it's being smoked, you're also dousing it in the sauce during the cooking process. You're not doing it after the fact. You're letting some of that sauce seep into the meat while you're slow cooking it. So mm-hmm. that is fantastic. It's it's Memphis style, and it's worth having. Uh, apparently, Barbecue Shop has this thing called the Barbecue Pizza, which I think has been a topic on this show before, but I'm really, really curious how successful their barbecue pizza is because – like, if it's lasted over five years since this article was written, I might have to go to Memphis and try a barbecue pizza. I've had a homemade barbecue pizza, never professionally off-a-menu barbecue pizza. So that's intriguing. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going out to eat after I'm done with this list. We're almost done. <laughs> We're into the home stretch, buddy. We're into the home stretch. Oh, my gosh. Checking in at number one is Kansas City which also has its own type of barbecue. It has its own type of sauce, and it also... You ever heard of Casey Masterpiece? Of the, there you go. Casey Masterpiece, known for sweet tomatoey sauce, the rich history and meat packing of those densely flavorful scraps, the burnt ends. Oh, my God, I live for burnt ends. This Midwestern city took the gold medal this year. To understand its basics, it starts with the legends Arthur Bryant's or Gates Barbecue, which date all the way back to the 1920s and 1940s, respectively. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Isn't this like a classic rivalry, isn't mm-hmm. it? hmm I think so. But I mean, yeah. And there, there's also a Casey Masterpiece restaurant in Kansas that, City. That doesn't surprise me. Um, complimenting the burnt ends at places like Char Bar, you can also find pulled pork butt with lobster deviled eggs and vegetarian-friendly smoked jackfruit. So wow. whether you're going for the traditional barbecue, if you're looking for something vegetarian-friendly, seems like Kansas City is the place to go. Yeah, that's a that's a hub. That's a big place right there in the in the literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's out there, and uh, yeah, and then you have the fact that there's two, literally two Kansas cities, mm-hmm. <laughs> Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, and uh, they didn't specify. And off the top of my head, I can't remember which one this is. <laughs> it's probably Missouri. I feel like I feel like the Missouri side of Kansas City is more known for it. Um, but right, regardless, right. I mean, it it, it, it might have been intentional. Maybe just go to Kansas City and try barbecue from both sides and do like. Comparison contrast or something. Not not that far apart. Um, but just just don't go to that area and go. Hey, I'm going to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Or say meet meet me in Kansas City. Be more specific because that could yeah. be catastrophic. It could be. It could be. Well, I mean, I think it's not a surprise that Kansas City came in at number one. But I like that they added the addendum this year 
because I feel like Kansas City, Memphis, and Austin, all three of these top three are like in a rotation for some of the best barbecue around. Um, but it's just, it's so good that my stomach is literally growling right now. <laughs> okay, okay. For the sake of your stomach and your well-being, uh-huh. we'll, 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 we'll end the show, I think. I think this is a good place I to think, stop. I think that's appropriate. I was getting private messages from people who are listening to the show. They're also saying, you are making me hungry. <laughs> well, I hope all these places that we mentioned uh, pay us now. Because right? this is an official sponsorship right? of uh, We Made You Money Tonight. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, you can find that at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. You can find our social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Ben Heart Attack on social media and Zach underscore 116. Oh, no, I'm reading the show notes from five years ago. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Ben Heart Oops. Attack. No, I was I was being sarcastic. I knew that that was the wrong notes. But you can find us um, at IPC Podcast, not IPC 1138. Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and Instagram. Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice on Twitter and Instagram for me. Find us on ipcpodcast.podbean.com or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere else that a podcast may end up in your RSS feed. And you can find IPC Swag at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. And you can find our partners at the Star Wars Underworld on starwarsunderworld.com. Did I miss anything? I think you nailed it. Got it all. I think you did it. Got it all in one breath, which is probably for the best because I'm going to use my last breath to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode 284 of the IPC podcast. But it's time to put this to bed and put me in my car en route to Whataburger. <laughs> Uh, Ben, any closing thoughts before we call it a night? Um, no, not really. I think we, I think we about covered it. This was a lot of fun. Um, as I said, I enjoyed Man of Steel. I enjoyed revisiting it. So this was a heck of a lot of fun. And then having a nice little barbecue discussion that I, I hate, I hate Jake. Jake the Damon missed it. But, uh, yeah, I think we have another debate. We, we, we mentioned something last week that I think it needs to be resolved because, you know, I like to pit these two against each other. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a glutton for, for, for uh, fights and stuff like that, so I want to pit these two against each other with something. Maybe next week. Maybe we'll get around to that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you all for being a part of this episode. We're looking forward to having you on for the next episode. But that's going to do it for tonight. Episode 284 is now officially being put to rest. For the now-departed Jake Damon and for Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. What is lost is often found. And we hope to find you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Welcome to the planet Welcome to existence Everyone's here Everyone's here Everybody's
Salvation is here.